0: Hey everybody, what's going on? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PowPow Media. PowPow Media is the premier video and production video marketing resource in the DFW area. They're going to create you some original video content for TV, film, internet distribution, whatever you need. If you're a small business, you need to check these guys out because the e-commerce videos that they make are extremely valuable and second to none in the area. They've been in business since 2000, they've created over 12,000 multimedia projects. They can do drone footage, uh, any kind of promo for an event or any kind of small business or a band, anything like that. I had one made, it's extremely professionally done. They had a really quick turnaround, it looks phenomenal, I love it and I'll be using them again for sure. So check them out at powpowmedia.com and tell them I sent you. Let's go ahead and get started. And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to the Slightly Chewed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Watson, as usual. My guest this week, uh, Mr. Mark Letiri. How's it going, man? Good. How are you, bud? I'm doing so good. Uh, thanks for letting me in your house.
1: Yeah, welcome to my house.
0: I've been, It's nice. I like thanks. your little studio. Thank you. I was in Roger Blevins' studio last week, and he's got st- a lot of stuff, too. <laughs> you just <laughs> that,
1: cram it in. You see how much you can fit. Yeah. <laughs> you see things, things are piling up on top of things. Yeah, that's... That's
0: the idea. That's, yeah,
1: that's, yeah, that's what you want. Yeah,
0: I. that's what I want. I'm not quite there yet, but that is what I want. Well, you just start
1: making piles and then you'll be there. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, I need to start making more money is so what I need to start doing. <laughs> then I can make piles. But yeah, so uh, what's going on? You've been uh, playing a whole lot. You've got this new
1: record out. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, both things are, are true. Uh put out a, my third solo record. Or or a record where I'm the band leader and composer and, and producer and that type of thing called Spark and Echo, and I put it out in May on Ropeadope Records. And, Is that um, the Snarky Puppy record? It formally uh, a few of the, we were originally part of Ropeadope, but we've since split to kind of start our own label. But a couple of the fellas in Snarky uh, have released their own stuff on Ropeadope, wow. like myself and uh, Sean Martin has mm-hmm. a record out, and Robert Seawright and Nate Worth have a record out on Ropeadope as well. Awesome. Yeah, so it's been good, man. The record's been getting some good traction and kind of like getting the attention from the kind of crowds and niche market that I sort of intended it for, you who, know. Who is your demographic? Well, it's, I've been wanting to ask you I that. I mean, the broad one would be guitar players, right. you know, but um, yeah, fans of instrumental music, fans of instrumental guitar-based music. Right. Um,
0: Which is a pretty large contingency it's a pretty, of people out there.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think what's cool is that a lot of people who are younger than me are kind of getting into it. Yeah. Um, which is neat because I remember when I was, you know, a teenager listening to, you know, Eric Johnson and Joe Satriani and John Schofield and all these guitar dudes that I really enjoyed. So um, yeah, so it's reaching some younger folks and I think that's pretty cool. Um, and some older folks too, you know, yeah. kind of like the fans that are, that grew up with Jeff Beck and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the next step really is just to kind of take it out on the road We went to Europe back in April, uh, which was really cool. I did like a co-headlining thing with the Funky Knuckles from Dallas. So that was a really nice little 10-day run. And then just finished up another tour here in the States, kind of in the Southeast with Sean Martin Mm -hmm. as well. And so, um, yeah, it's been great. Next year we'll probably try to get back to Europe, and I want to get to the West Coast as well. So, you know, it's a process.
0: Yeah. And you're amidst doing that, you're touring with Snarky Puppy right and
1: others um kind of yeah i mean the last like long tour i went on with someone other than snarky puppy was philip phillips Uh but that was about a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. um so snarky's taken up most of the time i also tour with this uh contemporary christian artist named anthony evans and he plays quite a bit and does a lot of spot dates Mm -hmm. um where's but, he based out of uh, he well sort of la sort of dallas okay mostly LA. Say that name sounds familiar but Anthony i'm not Evans, I can't put, yeah. a, put a thumb on it he's he he's born here but he's been in la for a little while mm-hmm. um but then you know and then it's just a lot of freelance gigs around town and some session work when it comes in and then i've kind of gotten more involved in the social media thing um doing like kind of kind of like gorilla gear demos through my Instagram page, yeah. which has yeah, been pretty your, neat. It, you know, I see those a lot. I see your goofy loop pedal. Oh yeah. There it is on the floor. Yeah. Right gigs there. a lot the um, videos a lot, but you know, so people have kind of been picking up on that kind of stuff. And you know, I just sort of like try to figure out a way to funnel it towards my solo project or yeah, snarky puppy sure. or something, but um, hashtags, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. You got <laughs> to do, to got to get your tag game strong, but um Yeah. And I I started doing some like online lesson stuff, like some Skype lessons. Oh, that's cool. um, uh, One thing that's been pretty neat is I I work with a company called Sound Slice Mm -hmm. and they do transcriptions. Okay. And so I've had them transcribe a bunch of my solo material and actually a bunch of my Instagram stuff. Oh, cool. And uh, you can download all of it. So it's kind of an... Nice little way to make some extra money, yeah. Without having to Just get on a van, <laughs> and yeah. A few bucks uh, you know, per download, and exactly. Yeah. Check so transcription—that's so a that's great been idea. A neat little thing that. Um I've been doing and some, some other friends of mine are, are doing that as well. So man, you know how it is. You just have to try to figure out a way to survive in this yeah. music business. Why, that's, that's sort a, of non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that
0: there, that there's a, a lot of beauty in this industry and that there's a million different ways that you can make a living Yeah, doing true. exactly all that stuff you just said. Right. And, and playing and, yeah. and, you know, monetizing transcriptions. Your podcast. From your, yeah. That this <laughs> podcast. And yeah, I'm, I'm am uh, i I'm going to start doing a, a performance uh, like mini episodes, because these are all kind of long. Sure. Uh, hour and a really half cool. to three hours. I'm going to do a little 30 minute performance interview episodes and kind of intersperse them. Right on. So I'm looking forward to that. I, would, I just came up with that idea recently. I've been I've been going against wanting to do performances during the conversation. Sure. Because there's a certain point in the conversation where you get real relaxed and then you kind of forget that you're talking to however many people. Right. And then if you pick up a guitar and start playing, you're putting that mindset back on and all that groundwork is lost so yeah i wanted to go against that just because i didn't want to ruin the vibe But if i can do that in his own episode i think that would be cool too sure and since i'm recording them and making these little videos out of them too i uh the red
1: lights on that's good
0: that's good that means it's recording
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah are you still playing with eric Badu? um i not not like I guess I shouldn't say I've I haven't officially not done it. I right. just like haven't done it in a long yeah. time. She so doesn't she, play a ton. She doesn't play a ton, and when she does, she doesn't. Oh, like rarely brings a guitar player. Yeah. Um. I think the last time I played with her was here in town at like the Profit Bar, or the door or something, like for a big Thanksgiving show or something. But, right. um. Yeah, I would like to. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one a of cool gigs. That's been one of my most favorite gigs to yeah. do. You know, but. Yeah, just whenever, you know, if she calls, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. How did you get uh, involved with with that scene? I, I guess you're, are you from here? Where are you no, from?
1: No, from California. Okay, yeah, I knew that. Bay I feel area. like I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's right, because you're a Raiders fan. Well, no, I'm a 49ers That's fan. That's right, you're a Niners fan. But I mean, you know, yeah. dude, what are they, 1 and 11? Yeah. So I think maybe by default I'm sort of rooting for the Cowboys just because it's like <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to but like all my friends are and so it's like well if your yeah. friends are happy you you know you'll you'll be happy.
0: That's not the sports mentality.
1: No, it's not that's, but
0: because <laughs> that again that's humanity mentality Yeah, but that's well, definitely hey, not sports team mentality.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it you know if they were to totally choke in the playoffs I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, like silently <laughs> like you know because I grew up rooting for the Niners when it was like the Niners and the Cowboys every year in the NFC yeah. championship in the early nineties. That's you know, was right. Steve Young and Jerry Rice and all those guys. So those were good times. Those were good times. It was a good time for football.
0: So how did you but end up <laughs> <laughs> at Let's answer TCU. your other question. Yeah. How did
1: you end up in Fort Worth at TCU? Um, so. Kind of random. I, I, uh, didn't even really know about the school ex- until my guidance counselor at, I mean, my, at high school sort right. of like recommended it, you know, because I was like, I kind of knew what I wanted to wanted in a college, which was, uh, a a degree that involved advertising and public relations, which is Mm -hmm. what my parents do. Right. So I was like, well, let's follow the family lineage or whatever. But I was also really involved in track and field in college or in high school. So I decided to do that in college. And so I walked onto the team at TCU and, Oh wow. Yeah. So that, those two things really were kind of what sold me on the school. So I came out here, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like one of probably one of my only, one of the only guys in my peer group that left the state of California. Right. You know, so I was like, well, I'm going to do this thing, whatever. But, um, the music scene is what kept me here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, I got involved in the gospel music scene in Fort Worth kind of towards the end of college. And, um, just through that kind of figured out that I could kind of make a living doing this just as like a freelance player, you know, that the concept of being a freelance musician, I didn't even know what that was until I was almost out of college. Right. Um, you know, I thought if you were going to be a, successful musician or if you were going to be a professional musician you had to be in like the world's most famous rock and roll band or something and so so i was like well you know maybe my band will get signed like that's that's (laughs) how you know growing up that's how you thought you had to do it well that's probably how
0: that's how it was back then probably it's not like that anymore yeah
1: but you know i started reading about these guys in guitar magazines that were like doing session work or like touring with different people And, Mm -hmm. and i was like well oh okay i can I can do that you know maybe I'll try and get pretty good at a couple of different styles and you know figure out how to uh kind of be a mercenary I guess yeah and so uh I got into gospel music you know just listening to it and 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 then all of a sudden realized that there was this huge scene for that, yeah around here, and so I you know I played at a bunch of churches, played on people's you know records and demos and mm-hmm. you know, performances and whatnot, and there's a direct connection with the gospel scene here with the R and B and hip hop and soul and funk scene here as well. So that's kind of how the, the Badu thing came about, you know, yeah. long story short, yeah. (laughs) basically.
0: Yeah. That probably skips a lot of steps. I did. Yeah. I skipped (laughs) a lot, but you know,
1: we don't have that much time. So whoops, that was my chair squeaky chair um
0: (laughs) but so you you did that i guess the the gospel scene in dallas is kind of where it's at now there isn't really one around here anymore well specifically yeah i mean it's unless you're lumping them together i
1: kind of am in that there's definitely like some cross pollination as far as musicians playing at different churches and living in different places but kirk franklin was originally from here Mm -hmm. and so he kind of was one of the guys that kind of got it all started but um a lot of the musicians that sort of are involved in the gospel and R and B scene went to Booker T. Washington High School in mm-hmm. Dallas, yeah. and so there is like there's kind of a crew of guys that came up through there that were really involved in establishing like that sound yeah. in Dallas. But you know, I mean, it's funny like when people ask me where I'm from, it depends on who's asking. Right. Sometimes I'll say Dallas, yeah, and then sometimes I'll say Fort Worth, yeah. You know, just because if I know the person, if I have a feeling as to the person's background musically, I- I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm from Dallas. I'm yeah. like, oh, cool. Yeah. Badu, Kirk Franklin, all makes, that. Yeah. You
0: know? It makes more sense. But to then them. if they're
1: more maybe involved in Americana or country or indie rock or something, I'll say, oh, yeah, I'm from Fort Worth. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, so, but, you know, it's funny, man. I, I wish, I wish there wasn't such a divide Maybe, maybe I'm making that up. But, no,
0: there's a huge divide you for know, sure. I, uh,
1: but at the same time, it's kind of cool that there is because it makes each city individual. Yeah, but yeah. at the same, it, you know. it
0: transcends a lot more than music. That, oh, of that divide. Oh yeah, there food, food and just culture and overall. Yeah, totally, it's, it's really strange to, to see that. I do a ton of acoustic gigs in Dallas, uh-huh. solo gigs. Yeah, and I go over there and I just I'm wide eyed at at the people that I see and and how they're acting. Most of the time, I'm in uptown. Yeah, which sure. Which is a very specific demographic.
1: Very specific.
0: Uh, but
1: then that... But Fort Worth has its own uptown.
0: They're getting I it. I
1: mean, 7th Street is sort it's of It's turning like into that. that
0: and it, that kind of that sucks because there's a couple of bars that are still holding out. But right. A lot, of college, a lot of drunk college kids running around <laughs>
1: in West 7th. <laughs> well, you know, got to go through that phase in your life. Again. You do, for sure. <laughs>
0: they ended up, they shut down on the weekend, on Friday and Saturday nights, they shut down that street between Magnolia Motor Lounge and Varsity. Okay. They block it off so just people just because wandering. people were getting hit by cars. Oh, rough! Oh, that's and rough. enough people got hit by cars that the police said at about oh, midnight they'll shut those streets off because well, people are spilling out of it's all the becoming bars. Becoming Sixth
1: Street. It's <laughs> becoming
0: Sixth Street, and it's making me not want to hang out over there
1: mm. anymore because yeah. I'm too think, old for that. I think we still have a couple more years before it gets to that point. I hope so. It's a good time for Fort Worth. I'm it's a great time. Really for Fort Worth. happy to be. here. You know, as you see, we we haven't left. No, no, I'm still here too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And,
0: I, I agree. I've lived here for like f- uh, about five years. Where are you from? I'm from I grew up north of Denton. Okay. I'm from D F W around, but I went to high school in Denton, lived okay. in Denton for a long time and then I moved here. Cool. And I really like it here. This is the first place outside of uh outside of that that really feels like home to me. Right on. I never really felt at home in Denton. I was always figured this was just a place that I was and I needed to go somewhere else. When I moved to yeah. Fort Worth I moved here as a, as a musician. I've been, you know, for, without a day job for nine years. But yeah. I moved here and I settled in really quickly because the, the scene kind of took me in. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy for that. And I get to meet guys like you, and on your side of the musical world, and guys, you know, in the country world. Sure. I do sessions for those guys too, and yeah. and do all this stuff. And it's such a variety of people in Fort Worth. It I think it's a great. Really is. It's a great town, and it's a it's a very fertile time for for Fort Worth right now because people like Leon Bridges and
1: sure and Luke Wade and people who are on a national well. Scale. Uh, this this morning, Marin Morris got nominated Maren- for. Four Grammys, yeah. Three How or four. insane she's is from that? Somewhere she's around from here. Arlington. Arlington, not close enough. Yeah, <laughs> we'll claim her. <laughs> I'll claim her. Yeah, if that's yeah, closer totally. to here than it is to Dallas, yeah, right?
0: So yeah, it's so cool, and and they're just kind of putting these putting us these cities on the map. And I've spent a lot of time in Austin over the last year or two, and I've realized down there that people are starting to leave Austin and yeah. look for other places to go. Sure, Uh, you know they're moving yeah. to the northwest or you know, wherever Nashville or right. wherever. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. A, so a lot of them are coming up here. There's a handful of people that I know that have moved up here. And sure. And I think that's great. I think that this scene is good and that helps people like me out. Cause you know, people start looking at, okay, well what else is going on in this scene? And I'm one of the people that they might come across. Right. That's pretty cool. So yeah. I, uh, I've been enjoying that, but well, know. as
1: long as, as long as the, as long as we still have good venues, and that the public still respects that live music and musical creation is a is a viable part of the city's economy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and and art scene then, you know, I think we'll be okay. But yeah. that's, you know, the, every city in America is fighting that battle right now. Absolutely. Even in Europe. a very expendable. <laughs> yeah. Strangely it's a, enough.
0: Yeah. Know. Well, the the few times that I've been over there to play, uh, there's a different t- type of appreciation for music. There is. Yeah, there the is.
1: But, you know, it's it's like, there is. But I think at the same time, it's like everyone's dealing with like, oh, music's free. Right, so You're, we can just get it however we want, yeah, I don't really care that I should have to pay for this right, right,
0: yeah i Roger and I were talking about that uh the other day, and he made the point that it's been only fairly recent that paying someone to play music for you live has come about because music has been around for a really long time and no one really had to get paid to do it. Right. So this as a career and and the, the idea of walking into a venue and you don't know who's playing, but you're going to pay 15 bucks to get in is it's a fairly new concept. And then now with the advent of social media and, and downloading and streaming, it's, it's totally changed the way that people take in music.
1: Yeah. That's the, that's one of the things that I do think Europe is really good at is that the venues there or at least, you know, there's several that are sort of known as just always providing quality stuff. Mm. And so people will go because that's just where you go to see good stuff. Yeah. They don't might not necessarily know who's there. Right. But you know, the venues make it a point to be like, this is a listening room. Yeah. You can get drinks, but you will listen to the music. Yeah. And you will respect these people are up here doing this. Yeah. And that's, That's I kind of miss that. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> it's bit. important
0: to do that. And on top of that, it's important to always provide good music. True. On, I mean, you have to, you can't force crappy music down people's throats. No, but these clubs don't.
1: It. Yeah. You know, it's like they won't book it if it's not.
0: And that's so important. Yeah. There, you know, it should be a
1: bit of an audition process, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and that <laughs> Maybe, makes, but... it
0: makes sense if you're in one of those places that has that reputation. But yeah. Right. A lot of clubs uh, over here, I see, they they just get whatever's cheap, and then when true. people don't show up or people leave, the crappy band runs off the crowd, and then they blame the music for why they're not making yeah. any money. And it's a, yeah. it's an interesting chicken and egg situation. Right, it's like
1: but, every crappy band deserves a chance to play so they they can get good. Yeah, they, yeah. There's a there's a process there. Yeah, but where? Yeah, right. Where but, do you draw the line? Yeah, the club.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So that's an interesting it's an interesting chicken and egg thing. But uh, there aren't really any true listening rooms in Fort Worth. But uh, Live Oak maybe would be the closest. Yeah, in that, there in that could back be. Room. There could be, but at the, uh, you're you're taking a risk of running off the people who aren't there for that. Well, at that point,
1: yeah. But I think, and in the larger scope of that, is that yeah, it's hard to say because since there, I mean, I guess there was like, well, I'm, I haven't lived here forever, but everyone used to tell me how great Caravan of Dreams was. Mm-hmm. But that might, you know, that might be sort of a they might be hiring more like national touring acts and stuff like that. But as far as like local stuff, it's like, you still have to make sure that the public respects that there is something that is, and that they're actually going to want to go to a listening room. Right. In America, it's like the, the bar thing is just as important as the right. music. Right. Right. Whereas the like social element. in Europe, the, the bar hang takes a second place. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting, you know, Anyway, it's interesting culturally how that's how different that is. Yeah. And it it makes. Guys like you and me long to go back to experience that.
1: Well, it's you know, and maybe I just sound super arrogant, but it's really nice to like not have people talk when you're playing a ballad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not arrogant <laughs> it's at like, all. Like, hey, that's... the band's real quiet. Yeah, maybe we should also yeah. be quiet. <laughs> no, that's just when the band is quiet. That's when you can hear each I mean, other. That's because, so you have to talk. Right? It. <laughs> it's like you, you
0: know, <laughs> or when the anyway. bass player takes a solo. That's what. That's the bathroom break. That's not the old joke. <laughs> <laughs> the bass, yes. bass solo is bathroom break time no, man I gotta get
1: out of your bathroom right <laughs> i get it well you know complain all day i guess
0: but yeah no but i but it, you know you're celebrating a, a, a reasonable amount of success with with your guitar hero status <laughs> i called you is a shredder a, is that a thing i think it is i called you a shredder oh, on on the podcast the other day when oh, i was talking no. about you and and i prefaced it with mark probably wouldn't appreciate me calling him this well but we were we called you that but then it was it was uh, followed by, it's amazing, and I'm going to say this to you, and I'm not going to try to gush over you because I am a huge fan of yours. Well, on top thanks. of being being uh, friends, but you you have accomplished something that I don't think a lot of people are able to accomplish as musicians in any in any instrument as a soloist. Hmm. In that your 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 facility is is far far and away. What, most, what the average person's facility on the, on an instrument would be. But you, but you present it in such a melodic and creative and pleasant way. Well, thanks. And I feel like most people are one or the other. And most people, on top of that, are, are qual- quantity over quality all hmm. the time. You know what I mean? You yeah. you see a little kid that's learning every Stevie Ray Vaughan riff that they can, that they can or Eddie sure. Van Halen's eruption. Sure, and that's all they want to do is just get as many notes in as possible. Yeah, and they never really make the jump into uh, the melodic value and and all of that. So well, that's thanks, something man. that yeah. that I feel like you've captured and you really understand. And whether or not that it's, it's been intentional, and I'm sure that it has, it seems to come so naturally to you. Well,
1: thanks, man. I mean, it is. A, I guess it sort of has been a intentional in a sense, you know, it's funny. I get, I'll get asked to do like a, like a guest solo on somebody's song. Right. And I'll play what I think the song needs. Right. And then they'll, I'll get an email back that's like, no, man, we wanted you to just like go (laughs) bananas and play, you know, just wow us. And I was like, yeah, but you know, that's not I'm I'm trying to, you know, I want to make a, (laughs) I want to make a deeper statement than just 30 second notes or something, but obviously if, you know, they're paying me, so I give them what they want. Um, but, uh, I guess it's one of those things. It's like, for me, it's always been something where like, I didn't want to be in a situation where I couldn't do what I was asked. Yeah. You know, and obviously there's a whole bunch of stuff I can't do, Sure, but for the kind of work that I have put myself into, I want to be able to you know, because at the end of the day, it's like if if Mark Lettieri, the artist, if nothing happens with that, like I want to have the ability to just do other stuff for other people yeah. and what's required. So, still have a career. Sure. So you know, I've, I've I guess I've sort of put that into the way that I approach my solo career because, or my solo sound, I guess I should say, because I've always, I've always liked flashy guitar playing but i've also always just really liked great songs yeah and great melodies yeah. and just you know you're the same way man you yeah. get hip you get excited about just simple stuff yeah and it doesn't have to be you know math to be great right right
0: well something um, simple something simple and melodic played really well and with some take sure. on it it's just as hard Absolutely, it's probably harder. It's probably harder than than shredding a bunch of thirty-second
1: notes. In fact, I guarantee you, it's harder. Yeah, and so (laughs)
0: yeah, and so you know, when I listen to your solo records, uh, which I enjoy thoroughly, you 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 kind of swim around first of all you're really really good at using
1: pedals first for, for well, that's something
0: like i've tried to emulate a couple of the sounds and i just i don't have I'll, i don't I'll, have the right equipment I'll tell
1: you all of my one secret yeah
0: i don't have the, i don't have the equipment but i uh that's something and then when you're doing that you're creating like you just said you're you're worrying more about the sonicness of the song and you're not sure. concerning yourself with how much you're playing and you know and that that goes a long way for me and i think to a lot of other people obviously because it's it's all been fairly successful but i that goes right a on. long way it's it's just it's really fun because i've seen you in a lot of different settings from the black and blues that's true. to to your stuff to snarky puppy to to just sitting in on other stuff i've i've seen you do a lot of things because of the proximity and uh, mm. it's always really impressive how you just kind of plug yourself in like you've been doing it hmm. with that person yeah, for so long man. it's a, that's a that's a testament to to your ear and and just your creative sense. I I think that that's something that a lot of people would strive for. And that's, I I attribute a
1: lot of that to your, to your success and I'm sure your continued success. So, well, I mean, you know, thank you, but it's, it's one of those things, you know, like I'm not going to compliment you anymore. That was it. I don't mind.
2: I did it it all at once.
1: (laughs) You know, you're, you're a guitar player. You're a songwriter. You know, that whatever you're putting forth on your instrument has to serve the greater purpose. Right. And you know, I, I can listen to great guitar players, but if they're a great guitar player with a record full of not great songs, I don't, I'm not (laughs) interested. Yeah. Like, you know, within and that happens, I can tell if you're good if after four bars. Sure. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, now what? Right. Right. (laughs) So hopefully I can get that point across to people. That's like, okay, cool. I guess you can play a little bit. What does this tune sound like? Yeah. Yeah. What's What's the emotion? What's happening here? You know,
0: yeah, right. well that's that's something that's hard to capture without lyrics emotion music is a very emotional True. experience in general yeah. and you know and, and I try to when I was teaching students uh, I would I would tell them you're you're creating dissonance and you're resolving dissonance that's right. what you' that's how you're utilizing music to me that's what it means and you use this vast amount of scales and chords and, and notes and and to do that mm-hmm. but then you can put lyrics on top of it that kind of drive the point home and the music, pushes the lyrics further into a deeper state. Right. So I guess and your music is it does come across as very there is emotion behind it. There's something happening. It makes you feel things. Cool. And I guess it's it's gotta be really difficult to do that without using lyrics.
1: Um not it's it's easier than you think, maybe. I've never tried it. Well I think it just depends. See, well I'm gonna have to ask you how you do it because I'm a terrible lyricist. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's just it's one of those things where you that's just the way you identify. You know, you identify with writing it out right. with words. Mm-hmm. And that's a skill that I just don't have. And so um, I've always been interested in instrumental music, but I think, like, when I when I was writing songs from the very beginning after I learned how to play guitar, you know, after, like, a year or two of just figuring it out, I, n- I never cared about words. I just wanted to make cool statements on the guitar. Yeah, And so it's just, like, it's been a whole period of just kind of trying to focus on that and making sure that whatever emotion or feeling or inspiration inspired the sort of seed that creates a song, mm-hmm. as long as I can keep that going through the entire composition, I know I have like a good body, a piece of material. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but you know, it's interesting with instrumental music because you might feel something when you write it, but then you give it to somebody else and they think of it and they're like, oh, was this song about that? Because that's the way it makes me feel. Yeah. And I was like, well, it is to you and yeah. you're right. Yeah. You know, so I kind of like having that kind of like uh, there's no right answer to it. You yeah. Know? But even with lyrics, they can mean different things to different people. And that's just the great thing about music, man. Yeah. It's you know? very subjective. Totally. And that.
0: Yeah. That is the great thing about it. I've I've, I've struggled with with genre for mm-hmm. a while between Um, I consider the last couple of records that I put out with the big horn section and all that stuff, you know, we were, we were doing this Motown soul
1: vibe, which was amazing by the way. Thank you. And I'm
0: really proud of it. And, and we were doing that vibe, but then people would come out and they would go, you know, this is, yeah, this is cool. Like bluesy stuff. And it's like, it's not that to me. Sure. Sure. But if it, you know if that's what it, if you like it and you're, that's going to make you buy a record, right. then absolutely <laughs> that's sure. what it is to you, man. It's interesting to see that and and it, and have people interpret interpret your lyrics, yeah, like that and, and wonder what this song is about. I have friends. I write songs. Some a lot of for some reason I write a lot of breakup songs. I haven't Uh-oh. gone I haven't gone through that enough to write this amount of songs that I have. Uh-huh. That's where they just go. And my friends that I've known for a really long time will be like, Is this song about this is it this girl? Right. Because I remember that and it wasn't like that probably is about her. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm like, no, it's not. Oh man. Well but you know you gotta flesh it out. Yeah. But but you know that's a good point that you make because you can't you can't force an emotion on someone you can't tell them this is the way this song is supposed to make you feel yeah you know which is sometimes it's cool and as an artist we have to kind of like be okay with that because if someone comes up to me and says dude you must love john mayer (laughs) and you know he's a great guitar player Sure. sure but but he's not the my be all end all guitar hero. Right, right? right. But if you love John Mayer and you hear that in my playing, then yeah. I'll cool, man. Yeah. Like awesome. Yeah.
0: You have to, you have to separate what they're saying from, from, from what, what the intention to is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. they're giving you a compliment yeah, right? in their own way. Right. That's right. funny. I, that happens a lot.
1: Oh, the horns, me. man, you must love buddy rich. Or yeah. Something, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, sure.
0: sure <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's influenced in there somewhere. So, yeah, I don't know. I, that's But that's the beauty of, of music and being subjective. And if you're just being, I think at the end of the day, if you're being true to yourself, and if you're making things that, that you genuinely, if it means something to you, if you're not just doing it for the sake of doing it, it genuinely means something to you. Yeah. It's going to mean something to someone else. Whether or not it's the same thing, it doesn't really matter at that point. You're mm-hmm. making something that with, with emotion and with feelings that people can latch on to in their own way. And it helps them in their own way. right? And you know that, well, I think one of, the, one of the greatest compliments that I've ever gotten as a, as a songwriter is when people become physically emotional. I've got a couple of songs that are a little bit, and they're very personal songs, but they're a little bit heavier. And uh, every now and then you'll catch someone a little misty eyed. And that's like the biggest compliment you can possibly get because you've gotten your point across. Yeah. If only to a handful of people in that way. Right. You know, that's That's cool. And that's got to be the same thing for you when someone comes up to you and they go, man, this song, it just. It just moved me and it's not necessarily, you know, you can, you name your songs, funny names right. sometimes, but <laughs> it may not be really about anything and it moves that person. Yeah, That's, that's what's important, man. That is what's important. So totally. I, you know, just keep, keep, uh, keep doing that because I, I really enjoy it. I know a lot of people that really nerd out on your, on your records. So <laughs> well,
1: it's, it's for really, the record, I think John Mayer is a fantastic. I so. do too. <laughs> I think
0: he's fantastic too. But,
1: but it's, it's funny all, when people hear things in you're playing that maybe you don't hear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe you didn't
0: realize you were, were so influenced by that. Right, sure. Yeah. John Mayer is an interesting interesting case in that in that he is a very studied musician. Sure. And he writes pop songs. Right. And you don't realize that these songs are so complicated.
1: Yeah, he's got some, some heavy stuff in he some of those. He throws a
0: lot of musical knowledge yeah. into these very accessible songs. I think... Listenably.
1: I think what people... Why I might get that a lot is because I think... John And I don't know John Mayer personally at all, but I think we listened to a lot of the same people growing up. Sure, He's a huge Charlie Hunter fan, which I am as well. Yeah. And I remember the first time, well, not the first, but the first time somebody said like, oh, dude, you must love John Mayer. It was because I was doing like a thumb kind of chordal thing. And I was like, well, actually... Yeah. I don't mean to be a jerk, but I got that from Charlie (laughs) Hunter. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. I am a jerk for saying that. I should have just been like, you're right. And he likes him as well. Yeah. And here we go. Or just thanks. Yeah. Or just thanks. Yeah. I'm I'm figuring it out. (laughs) I'm sorry. But um, wow. That's. But yeah, he's got some some interesting stuff. Yeah. You know, there's a couple
0: of tunes. He's got really big hands. He does. And I don't. And so, like, I remember being a kid, being in high school and trying to play the song Neon
1: yeah that's, the way
0: that that's a he, really cool tune it's a really great song and I tried to play it and the way that I looked at it, I had a book and so I was looking in this someone bought me this Room for Squares book and uh, I was look, looking at it and they, it was this tuning and these crazy five fret stretches and I just can't do that Yeah, and yeah. so I physically can't even play that right. song. and I wanted to so bad because I really dug the staccato and yeah. the melody. That's and all a that really stuff. cool guitar part. It really is. And uh and I couldn't play it and I was upset. Well
1: it's funny that you mentioned guitar players with giant hands because I um first of all, it's not fair. It's not fair <laughs> to at all. Guys like me and you No. But I, I was um do you know a guitar player named Eric Gales? Mm-hmm. A left handed yeah. guy well monster oh, guitar yeah. player. So he I was like a huge I've been a huge fan of his and and we ended up kind of becoming kind of becoming friends and jamming a lot. Yeah. You know, he's since been a really good dude to hang out with. And he was showing me, he was like, well, do you know this chord? And he (laughs) played this like some kind of 13th chord voicing, but because he plays left-handed and upside down with huge hands, he's the only person that can do it. Right. And I was like, no, I don't know that chord (laughs) and I will never know that chord. And I told him, I was like, you know, that's impossible for other people, right? He's like, oh man, nah, you know, you could do it. And I'm like, no, I can't. Like, it's just not going to happen. And then he proceeded to blow everyone's minds, and you know, yeah. everyone went home in tears. He does that, and all the other guitar players sold their equipment and all he, that. You know? Yeah, that's what and he it's does. Phenomenal.
0: I've seen him a handful of times, and I feel that way every time. And it's, it's, it's. He's got he's he's transcending himself into into a different mental state. Oh yeah, when he's up there, yeah, doing
1: he loses that. his mind absolutely. Like, pro- actually, might he might. Yeah, I don't know. it's. Crazy <laughs> I know. to ask watch. Him, but he There's goes into this... another planet
0: yeah he does and there's this intensity with which he plays right. that I've never achieved that with anything I've ever done yeah, that level of intensity just on
1: another it's just a different connection yeah. like you can feel what that dude's gone through like real easily yeah you're like wow this guy's he's and he has a life. Had, oh, yeah, sure. had
0: some rough patches sure. and, and it comes through for yeah. sure and he's a very resilient human to be able to continue, yeah, you know the way the trajectory of his career.
1: It's exciting to see that he's getting a lot of attention because he's been around for a long time, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, he was doing records when he was a teenager, oh, you wow, know, and touring and doing the whole thing. but I think I mean that's the beauty of social media, man. It's like mm-hmm. you'll see people getting recognition that couldn't really get it before friggin' facebook right right <laughs> but now it's like eric is rolling. blowing up and it's yeah. awesome it is awesome
0: yeah he's been on my radar i used to do a blues trio a blues rock soul trio mm. and he was on my radar back then because he was doing the same thing right and obviously way better than what i was doing but he was doing that same circuit that i was yeah on. i mean
1: he's been on that for forever and yeah. funny the i found out about him i was a sophomore in college and there was a show on some cable access channel in Fort worth that they piped through the dorms and <laughs> at TCU. Yeah. And you know, it was on on like a midnight on a Tuesday and I was right. just like, home, oh, just supposed to be studying. And it was called nothing but the blues. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> it was live clips of people's people playing in different bars around town mixed with like advertisements for barbecue restaurants. <laughs> and so it was like come on down to smoking joe's sausage kingdom or whatever blah 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 and here's eric gales live at the pit or whatever (laughs) it was actually probably j and j's or something and i was like who the hell is this guy and i went out and bought his record (laughs) just it was like floored yeah i became an instant fan so thank goodness for cable access television there you go it's good for more than just wayne's world i guess well it's good for that too it's (laughs) true yes how did you get, uh, how did you get hooked
0: up with the snarky puppy guys? I know that, I don't know, how old are you? I don't know how 32? old you. because you're two yeah. years older than me. I knew those guys when they were graduating, around the time they were graduating UNT, because I lived in Denver. Oh yeah, sure. And, uh, Mike and Chris Bullock and Steve Pruitt, mm-hmm. uh, played in my band. Oh really? For a little while. Cool. We were doing just kind of bluesy stuff. And so I knew those guys way back then when Steve was the drummer, right uh, Right at the beginning, when they were, it was very, very experimental jazz. Sure. Fusion. Yeah, man, (laughs) in every sense of the word. Yeah. And uh, and I was a fan of it, mostly because I couldn't do it. I didn't, you know, I was learning about that style of music. And and then watching the progression of them turn into what they are now has been really awesome. But how did, when did you get it on their radar?
1: Um, Well, kind of like you, I was sort of a fan, just kind of uh, because I had... I was playing in a band with this guy, Philip Lassiter, who is a trumpet player and a ranger, super talented dude. Um, he was with Prince up until Prince passed yeah. as Prince's like horn guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but he used to live here in Dallas and had a band called country fried soul. And I met Phil through kind of like the gospel R and B scene that I was sort of already in mm-hmm. anyway. So I was playing with Phil and he booked a gig with snarky puppy in Denton at rubber gloves rehearsal hall. Yeah. And uh, he was like, man, you know, we're playing with this band, Snarky Puff, you got to check them out. And so we did the gig and I was like, wow, you guys, you know, these guys sound like weather report or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I was like, kind of, you know, I was pretty into it at first. I wasn't like a super fan, but I was like, well, these guys are really good, yeah. you know? And, um, met Michael and Michael was kind of also getting involved in the gospel scene. So he and mm-hmm. I did a bunch of records together, like yeah. for gospel artists around town um, with Sput, the drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, So Mike and I had been playing for a while and really it was like, I think maybe around like 2008 or something, they, Mike just asked if I wanted to come guest on, well, sort of not really guest, but just do like some funky guitar stuff on the record, Bring Us the Bright. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time I ever recorded with them. And then a few months later, there was a string of gigs that the other two guitar players, Bob and Chris, couldn't Mm do. And so Mike was like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Like, you want to learn 14 really hard songs and come <laughs> yeah. to new Orleans and play some shows with us. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, there's no way I'm going to learn all this stuff, but yeah. hey let's give it a shot. So I crammed and crammed and crammed. And, um, there's a lot of movement in those yeah, tunes. You know? And so, I, yeah. So I got it together and, Did the shows and, they you know, I guess they went fine or whatever because they kept calling me. Uh, But that's actually kind of how, like, everyone gets in the band now. Right. You know, I mean, I think the sort of original, quote unquote, original lineup was sort of sealed at that point. But then, like... Yeah. It's like, there's a situation where like someone can't do a tour. And so we get another guy and he's great. And now he's in the band. You know, that's <laughs> so that, why, two why of we that have person. four keyboard players and three <laughs> guitar players and three drummers and right. three percussionists and several horn guys and whatever. Yeah. But, several. um, you know, it's like Michael for a period of time, like just wanted to play all the time. Yeah. And he was the only guy that could make himself available for everything right. or could stomach being available. <laughs> right. I think sometimes guys just didn't want to go. Yeah. And so, um, touring wears you out. Sure. After a while. Yeah. Especially if you're married, I'm not, but, but yeah, you are, I am. Yeah. But you know, you, <laughs> I, would I have been able to do it being married early on? I maybe not, Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it's certainly not touring as much as they were. Cause they were like before, before I joined the band and then like shortly thereafter, like they were gone, just gone. Yeah. You know? And it was like hard touring. It was not yeah, like world hotels touring. and airplanes like we have now. It was like van <laughs> load your stuff. Like what you do sleep in the van. It's just the, what you do, yeah. you know, the way the grind that yeah. we all do. And we yes. all still do. Yes. Obviously, you know, no matter how many, you know, whatever they want to give you you still got to get in the van sometimes yeah. and just do it yeah and so that's what it that's what it was and you know sleeping on floors and the whole <laughs> but i never really that never really bothered me yeah it was just like that's yeah okay well that's how you play shows right that's yeah you know you probably you know it's like Slept if you grow up floors. yeah but i mean like <laughs> if you grow up in like the garage band thing right that's you're just yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, practicing in a crappy garage, bringing your crap. Yeah, driving your crap around. That's just yeah. what. You, that's what <laughs> yeah. we do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I um, do. I know exactly and what that you was. Mean. Yeah, we never. We nobody knew what success was like early on. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like we were eighteen and touring with you know, Rihanna or whatever. Like, we didn't <laughs> <Right>. know. <laughs> it's like nope, we're in a garage band. Let's drive around. Yep. So well, it's it's evolved a lot. Uh, over the years since then it's yeah it 's changed I mean yeah the the core of it is still kind of the same idea, but they figured out how to make it accessible to the masses I think so. I mean, I think it was always kind of kind of headed in that direction, you know it 's interesting because again with with the internet you know it 's like we kind of blew up because of YouTube right because we started doing those live records and putting the videos up right and i don 't think the you know the music had evolved to a specific place at that point but it's still complicated yeah. jazz based music which according to mtv is not popular and no one should like it for sure but because we are on the internet and reaching millions of people around the world obviously there's a market for it people right. will always f- want to see musicians or singers pushing the envelope of their abilities and trying to to be On the edge of creativity, you know, like pushing the, pushing the edge, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think we, you know, we're kind of doing that in a way that other people could see it and be like, wow, I want to do this. I can do this. I've always wanted to be doing this. Wait, there's a band that's doing this. Right. I want to do, we can do, I got friends, we can write some crazy stuff. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why it took off a little bit. Yeah. You know,
0: there's a large contingency of, of jazz programs across the country. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, musicians dug it. Yeah. And there's a lot of musicians on there's earth. A lot of musicians. <laughs> so people who fancy themselves musicians. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and that's important though. You have to satisfy all of that. I I I try to use the the idea when something comes across my desk that I don't care for, I try to to have that thought in my head that it's not bad music, it's just not for me. Sure and sometimes it's bad
2: well but if it's coming across <laughs> my desk you know what i mean that's if true yeah, yeah, yeah Sounds
0: good to enough people that it's getting on my radar right yeah if it's something i really don't like someone likes it so, it's, yeah, so i true. feel like that's the kind of the place that you guys fell into after maybe being told so much that this isn't ever going to work this isn't a mainstream genre and then now you guys have, have multiple grammy nominations and have won well I mean, Which I don't, I don't know if, See your
1: Grammy in here. I'm kind well. Of there's upset. the plaque right there. Oh, the actual statue is in the studio in in New York. We oh, get okay. one. Oh,
0: you only get one. You don't yeah. all get one. <laughs> no. Oh, <that's> t-
1: okay. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I know. Well, whatever. hey, that counts. <laughs> you still got one. Yeah. So, uh, what was I going to say? What's that next to who's that? I don't know who that is. I thought it was Jimi Hendrix. My mom bought it for me, but it's just a guy. I don't know. I thought it was cool. It is, I mean, I like it. I it kind of looks like Jimmy a little bit. Kind of. Uh, yeah, I don't know. could be whoever you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's Des Bryant. I don't know who it is. Could <laughs> no, be. Could kidding. also
0: be Des Bryant.
1: No, it's not. Definitely not. <laughs> um, what was I? What are we talking about? I don't know. Um, oh. Oh. Well, you know, I don't... No one ever really told us that it wasn't going to be big Mm -hmm. or that I was not big, but that it wasn't going to work. I think we just like anytime there was that kind of inkling, we just didn't do that anymore. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, well, that didn't work. Let's not do it. Yeah. Let's do, let's do what works.
0: Yeah. Within the confines of satisfying your musical. Sure.
1: Like, you know, sadly snarky puppy never caught on in Fort worth, for example. Right. And I don't know why, but we, you know, Michael was like, well, you know, I want to play there because People don't care, yeah. <laughs> so we didn't, yeah. That makes sense, uh, which is a shame. But you know, so stuff like that, it's like, okay, well, that city just didn't really work. So we won't go back there, whatever. Yeah. Or that city is kind of working. Let's go back there, yeah. You know, build it. Um, But you know, as far as like the the songwriting and all that, I don't think anybody was like, we need to, you know, those of you, those of you that are writing songs, you need to think more of the pop stuff. We need to, you know, nobody cared about that. No, this is, you know.
0: But if you went that direction, your
1: your demographic well, would have we would changed. have been smooth jazz. Yeah, you would have been Kenny G, and then <laughs> that's already been done. Yeah, right. We won't do that again. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's like now we're kind of like, I, I, you know, I always make the joke. It's like, well, what do we do next? Well, snarky puppy on ice. You know, it's like <laughs> we've we've collaborated with some I would pay people. A lot of money to see that I would do. I don't want to do it, but I would, be, just <laughs> I would go watch. not pay money to see those idiots skate around. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm envisioning it.
0: Everyone's wireless. Just
1: going to be amazing. That would be amazing. I wonder who can even ice skate. I guess we'll have to find... Well, I'm going to have to make this happen now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's a great idea. So... Who writes the songs for them? I know that Mike is the the band leader
1: for sure. Yeah, he's, his baby. He, it's his. He's the primary composer, but it's open to anyone, right? So anyone can write a tune, and and several of the guys have, um, which is neat because then you get different people's mm-hmm. uh, interpretations of music, and then you get to hear how the musicians then interpret interpret those interpretations, right? Know? So, right. Um, yeah, that's cool. Well, I, so I guess there are like maybe seven seven of us that have written songs now yeah. i guess six or seven that yeah. like that so yeah
0: that's pretty awesome yeah how do you go about writing your stuff what's what's the inspiration there i mean obviously guys like jeff beck and, and sure
1: Charlie hunter and yeah i mean like that, you know they get i think the guitar influences are all pretty obvious yeah um but uh Cause I, your stuff is
0: way different from the snarky stuff. It's, sure, to me, yeah, it it's is. got it's got its own vibe that yeah. is very identifiable. Sure, and and in terms of being able to to identify influences is one thing, but you've definitely carved your own road. Oh, cool! That I think people are following. Well, yeah,
1: thanks, man. I mean, you know, it's like. being in snarky has definitely influenced the way I write just because of, you know, hearing how our songs are complicated, but maybe don't sound complicated. Right. They just sound cool. Yeah. You know, that's always kind of been something that I maybe subconsciously focus on. It's like figuring out a way to get the technical side of my playing satisfied, but still do it in the disguise of like, Hey, this just sounds neat. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh but i mean i'm there's so you know there's so many influences as far as r- writers are concerned that have that have helped me along the way but um you know it's it's kind of the same way that you probably write songs man it's like you you maybe you have a riff that you hear in your head or you're right. practicing or something or i, I mean you, you made the point of a, a lot of my songs have funny titles and you're right and that's actually because the titles came before the songs all <laughs> right and so i you know it was like a a title concept that inspired what the music would be like. Right. You know, that makes sense. Um, it's like a writing is, prompt. Yeah. Which is kind of lyrics. something that's always been interesting to me, you know? Um, I, feel, I feel like there's another guy that does that. John Schofield, I think maybe does that or something, but it's funny names. And yeah. Just he'll just come up. Yeah. Like that. Right. So, you know, songs like, like Goon Squad, I had the name before I had the song. Yeah. You know. Um, so then you have to write something that reminds you of that. Yeah, but it's good because it provides me with direction. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if I have that, it helps. It's yeah. like a, I don't waste too much time.
0: That's the same thing lyrically that happens. Uh, and actually, this is another thing that Roger and I were talking about was mm-hmm. was writing prompts. that He used to be a part of this group that they would send out a weekly email with a, a phrase or a word or something like that. And then within the week, you had to provide a song that you've written using this writing prompt. They did it every week, every Sunday. Awesome. And you would submit, it could just be an iPhone recording. It had to have, it had to be two minutes long. It had to have some sort of musical accompaniment and that's it. That was the only thing. And he said that, that without realizing it, these writing prompts made writing songs so much easier Mm -hmm. because you can still be creative, but you, it takes that initial sitting down, with a cup of coffee and a notepad with a blank canvas and just going, all right, I'm going to be a songwriter
1: today. Man, that's what that's am I
0: going to, to write about? <laughs> it is hard. Oh, and, and then there's a lot of just kind of staring at your pencil and staring at the paper going, what, what am I going to write about? Yeah. Like, I, I have to write something today. Yeah. You know, and then you get this, someone hands you this word or this phrase and then you go, oh, okay, I, okay, I've got a line for that. And almost immediately you start coming up with stuff. And it's, I, so I imagine having, having a funny title, And having, having realizing that okay, this is going to be something that I'm going to write towards. Yeah, that's got to be extremely helpful. Totally, because you as a you are a very expressive musician, and so you kind of know how to get those vibes out with the amount of knowledge and 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 facility that you have.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's this. I kind of touched on this earlier, but it's like if you have that initial emotion that you're focusing on if you have to do whatever it takes to make sure that that stays with the whole tune, right. whether it's the guitar tone, the drum pattern, right, the melody, the harmony, whatever, you, you know, you kind of have to like, you have to see the whole song done before it's actually done. Right. You know, you have like, you have to be like almost like produce it in your head before it happens. Yeah. So that you have that direction, mm-hmm. you know? Um,
0: Cause it has to have a beginning and it has to have an end. Sure.
1: Yeah. And that's the, one of the pitfalls of not just pitfalls, but one of the challenging things about instrumental music is that because you can kind of swim around genre wise or maybe, uh, fall into the trap of like putting in too much information, mm-hmm. uh, to where the music, the song doesn't feel like a song. It feels like a a collage of <laughs> right. like parts that you thought were cool right. that you just wanted to use. So you <laughs> just, just figured out a way to stick them all together, but really maybe they don't go together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. shouldn't have to like, it's if you were looking at a a picture or a painting or a collage that somebody made and you had to explain to people why the tree over there <laughs> is next to the battleship. Right. It's like, well, no, no, no. So you have to look at the, you shouldn't have <laughs> right. to do that. Right. right they right. should just look at it and be like, okay, this totally makes sense. Right. You know, right.
0: It's like having to explain a joke. It's not a very <laughs> good joke. Which is the worst feeling. You, in the
1: world. <laughs> That's a very good way to put if it. If you have like, to explain it, it's not funny. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. I'm a bad joke teller. Yeah. I don't,
1: yeah. forgot about it. You got to get, get your dad jokes. <laughs> yeah. Or what are they? Those are the, those are the worst ones. Just quick one liners. All right. I'm into that. <laughs> I got a friend that's always like, Hey man, did, you know, did you know so-and-so died? And you're like, no. He's like, well, it's good because they buried him. <laughs> you know? It's like that's terrible. It's so bad. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's
0: uh, <laughs> Yeah, all right. I'm gonna hang on to that. I don't Sucks. know if, I don't know in what setting I'll use it, but I'll hang on to that. Podcasts. Podcasts, yeah. There we go. Podcast that's joke. the beauty of all of this. We can talk about whatever we want in this podcast mm-hmm. because we have. people are going to listen. I know.
1: Suckers. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly it's got your name on it Uh people are gonna listen to it all right i would like to know uh about you first of all what happened to the evil ovens why did that stop oh sure why did that not i was wanting that to move somewhere else because that was those are some of the most fun nights that i had watching you guys oh thanks that was was like a little bit more expressive version of what of all of the bands that you do instrumentally, you're just, you guys really branched out and just would sit on something.
1: For well, me. we had to fill time.
0: Yeah, it was that for sure. It, but it turned into something that was just, what? you know, everyone yeah. was allowed to, you didn't have 16 bars to make your solo. If you sure. had a statement, you were, they would just let you yeah. formulate and complete your statement. Well, long it, it
1: was, you know, it was, it's no different than any sort of like jazz fusion groove jam session that you might, find any you know anywhere we just didn't see one in fort worth so we were like yeah cool let's just do it here yeah and um and yeah that was a lot of fun man i think what you know guys just well one guys got busy sure with other gigs or family or whatever yeah. it was and yeah. and um just standard band falling yeah apart just stuff. whatever i, I mean just, it was i really that, enjoyed it and well, i wish the you guys would have
0: moved it somewhere else kept yeah
1: it. i mean i think after they kicked us out of the well now it's not even there anymore the rooster no. i guess
0: it's a it's a, a whole foods pet store oh now. that's good it's oh, like, like an it. organic i support that pet
1: food store now.
0: <laughs> it's from california so she <laughs> should is. support it <laughs>
1: yeah. bean sprouts in your cat food yeah um <laughs> so you know i mean it was like the two the wes and cedric and caleb had the funky knuckles right and so for them it was like they were already doing a Sunday residency mm-hmm. and then having to come here to do a Monday residency and then they moved to their Monday res. So it was like, they were already right. doing that. I was really starting to get more focused on my solo material mm-hmm. and wanted to make that my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Leo and Blaine, and they they have all the other things they were doing. So it's just one of those, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Stopped. It was, it was really fun though. <laughs> it was fun. I know, I kind of missed those days. And there's some video of it, a little bit. Yeah the evil oven servings i don't know where that name came from i don't either i remember maybe i, I made it up i, I used to go
0: pretty regularly and uh i remember you guys used a lot of different names just for, well just i think to for be like funny f- <laughs> yeah you right just, it was a different name every <laughs> yeah. every hour you would introduce yourselves to something else or something. well like the best that
1: part about funny. it was that like you know we you were there, and a bunch of our other friends were there, and it was great because obviously you guys would come play, and right. and it was fun to like share that with our pals. But then you would see the looks on people's like the the average like you know twenty right. something sorority girl walks in, and she's like, right, wet. You guys are ripping Spain, wet. <laughs> she's like tugging on her boyfriend's yeah. polo, like wet. <laughs> Wait. Brat, we have to live. Who is, Ch- like, <laughs> who is Chick Corea and I don't like her? And he's like, no, but was cool, so I'll hang out. I'm like, no, we need to live. Let's live. That was cool. I took, I took pride in that. Impression. I was just that was just, 20 just like, year old Fort Worth people. And I was like, this dominant major 7 flat 9 is yeah. not for you. Not for you, no. <laughs> you are not and my that's totally cool.
0: Yeah. No, but there was, people showed up. I thought it was weird that it ended because you guys were getting a decent crowd. Well, I mean, it ended was,
1: because they you know, they, the bar closed.
0: Well, yeah. That and then we help. thought about
1: having it. I think there was talk of maybe having it at the Magnolia lounge, but by that point, everyone had uh, other right. stuff happening in life. So it was just like, well, yeah. shoot. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it won't happen again. I, it's sort of like manifested itself in other bands, you know, like me mm-hmm. and Leo play together mm-hmm. and me and Blaine and Blaine and Leo and Wes is in my trio. And Cedric plays in my trio, you know, yeah. Caleb is around everywhere. So it's like, you can come see, facets of that yeah <laughs> if yeah. you want
0: that no, was um,
1: cool so it was yeah good stuff. well I'm glad you liked it man we had some fun for that four months that we did it or <laughs> yeah. long it was no, it was good yeah it was good how did you get involved did you do the jazz band at TCU no I didn't um I took a, about a year and a half or two years of jazz guitar as an elective uh-huh. with Tom Burchill who was a fantastic teacher mm-hmm. and it was cool because he. He knew I never really wanted to aspire to be like a straight ahead jazz guitar player. So he would teach me jazz and jazz harmony as it applied to what I wanted to do. And so that was really neat. I actually learned some cool compositional techniques from him. Yeah. Um, So that was a fun little. That's a
0: good foresight to have as a teacher. A lot of teachers. Yeah, he was really good at that. A lot of teachers would go, no, this is what you need to learn. Right. Either learn it or get out of my face. Yeah, he
1: was, I mean, you know, the first 30 minutes of the lesson would be him just telling me, funny jazz stories right and they'd be like "Hey, my play tune man let's play some (laughs) music and then we would do it you know whatever yeah uh but uh yeah it's funny that you asked that because there was always like because they had a jazz band at tcu but they didn't have a jazz degree right so the big band was like an elective for students that were like some other kind of music major like music ed or something like that Mm -hmm. but they would have these like jazz combo concerts yeah and for whatever reason, they would always call me to come play guitar. <laughs> nice. And so, like, I don't know, if the, the band directors were like, "Who's this guy that keeps playing in all your bands? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Does he? What does he do? Yeah. Is he even a student here? He runs, you know? <laughs> he runs track. <laughs> He's not what even are he a musician. doing here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, there was a cool little music community at TCU. You know, I had I had a band there called the League, and we were kind of like a, kind of like a funk rock jam band. So to speak, it was like a trio that occasionally was a quartet and we used to gig at schooners. If you remember, I schooners. do remember schooners, and the moon, I remember the moon. And uh, I think we may have played the art of arc a couple of times, but there was a cool little scene, a couple other bands that were around TCU at the time. I think like that was when Green River Ordinance was like kind of blowing up mm-hmm. and, and like, uh, there was another band called free the leaf. <laughs> and they were like really good friends of ours. And we would play frat <laughs> parties together all the time. I just love their name. I think they're called, um, the boss level now. They're okay. Still, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Daniel guys. Hardaway and those guys. Yeah. yeah. Those are the homies, man. That's awesome. So yeah. Those are yeah. The, those Justin the, Barbie. Yeah. And, yeah. Who else was Jeff Daisy was around yeah. then. And, um, a couple of other guys still plays
0: with me every now and then. Yeah. Justin's Justin around and Jeff is with, uh, Leon. He's with Leon. So, yeah. He was with, uh, JJ gray. Okay. For a right. Right, while. right. Right. Yeah. He he catapulted off of the Greyhounds into J.J. J Gray's band. Okay. It's a bunch of their dudes live in Austin. Gotcha. And uh, which is a that would be an awesome tour to be on. I love J.J. Gray and MoFro. Yeah. That's some cool stuff. Yeah. But
1: Leon Bridges, not a bad hard gig. to argue yeah. with that one too. Yeah. <laughs> not so, a bad gig.
0: Yeah. That's cool. There's a lot of good musicians from 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 that era that are that are kicking around and doing yeah. Doing I'm glad a lot of cool that people stuff.
1: have stuck with it and you know. Yeah, kind of figure out a way to make it, man. Yeah,
0: yeah. Going back to, there's a million different ways to do it. You mm-hmm. know, for for whatever, whatever your skill set is. Um, right. You know, I well, I'm between records right now, and mm-hmm. so I don't. Have, I'm not booking full band shows, so I took it upon myself to become just a side man. Cool. And so I've been playing. Uh, for a bunch of different people and i've been playing mostly organ and and right
1: i remember that you said you had that in your van when i went yeah i have been doing that mostly and it's been
0: so much fun because i've never focused i've been playing piano since i was five yeah and so i I can do it and it's and it's cool but i never focused on that as a as a craft that Mm -hmm. i would want to do to get Mm -hmm. hired to do that is i play guitar specifically because it's really hard to look cool rocking out and singing, sitting down at a, behind a piano. Well,
1: depends who you ask.
0: Well, that's what I thought when I was in high school. So I started playing guitar <laughs> so I could stand up and move around. I'm going back to that now for yeah. this next record. It's going to be real piano heavy, but cool, man. But the, I did that for that, and then I went, okay, well, wait, I can play guitar and keyboard, and then maybe that'll get me more gigs. And it totally has. That's between great. those two things and harmonies. So there's a million different ways to make a living doing
1: this. And yeah, I mean, that man, talk about multi instrumentalist, like. That's almost like a prerequisite in Nashville.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's
1: like, okay, you play guitar. Do you also play mandolin? You're like, uh, no. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> okay, cool. On well, to the next guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's a line of people who uh, do. Yeah. I would be screwed. Yeah. I mean, I can play bass, but that, that, you know, that's not that big of a deal. I yeah. need to learn how to play fiddle or oboe. I don't know that you need to do that. <laughs> well, you necessarily. Know, you never know, man. I, you do never know. Figure out the banjo maybe what
0: I've I'm not very familiar with Philip Phillips what I'm familiar with in his group is that JT plays for him yes and JT's like
1: he's probably lady. the best drummer in the world he or he one of them blows my mind <laughs> on a regular basis <laughs> yeah Jason um, Thomas for those of you who yeah Jason familiar. Thomas uh he
0: I came into contact with him 2011 mm-hmm. I, I he played on my record that I made in right. 2012 right And uh, I was given his number by somebody and and I knew who he was already. And I was, it was really just one of those things where I asked him, assuming he would say no. And he just happened to have those few days off Mm -hmm. and was like, sure, here's my price. And I've said, yeah, "Yeah, whatever it is, just (laughs) send me an invoice and we'll do it. And I was, I went, I remember I stuck him in, in a, in the tracking room at Nomad Studios in, Mm -hmm. in Dallas, Carrollton, and with Chris Gibson on bass. Yeah. And I had sent him demos that we made. So he had all the stuff charted out and the two of them locked in so hard. Chris is a phenomenal bass player. Sure. And, uh, on that kind of funky groovy soul stuff and so he locked in so hard with him and i was in there just in the control room just going oh yeah oh my god this is amazing yeah like jt on my record so <laughs> that's funny <laughs> i haven't
1: seen him since then i don't know if he would even remember that but oh he knows yeah he knows you i told him i was like yeah we're getting the van from chris he's like oh yeah man yeah. I don't remember playing so, <laughs> that's yeah, awesome fond memories that's course. awesome yeah. yeah we had
0: such a good time and that record turned out turned out to be pretty cool but it's uh but he's just a monster player. My introduction to him, I think, was when he was with Marcus Miller. Yep. In the early two thousands. Yeah. And they did this D V D and I think Bobby Sparks was on there. Probably same and Keith DVD. Anderson, I think it's probably Keith Anderson sax. for yeah. sure was playing saxophone and uh I was like, Oh these D F W people just yep. Yeah. Go D F W. Yep. So, and then getting him to do that was really cool. And I wanted to get, it was a total shot in the dark. I didn't think he would do it at all. And then he did.
1: Man, that's the cool thing about him, dude, is it's like, he just plays music.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he played it exactly like it needed to be played. Yep. He didn't try to turn it into something. He played it amazingly, but it fit this, all the songs were what they needed to be. Yeah, And it was really, it was really cool experience. So oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad to see, you know, guys like him and you and guys like that just doing so well all the time and getting to play with so many cool people. And Keith Anderson, uh, was playing with Prince for up until his untimely death. Yeah. And, uh, I would always tell people that I'd see him on TV and go, that guy, lives in yeah, that guy lives in Arlington. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just like, I used to watch full of soul and Yeah, him and Bobby. And, uh, I don't remember who the
1: bass and drums were. Uh, it was, was a long time ago. Well, he, we used to play to, pretty regularly. It was, Todd Parsons. used to do the gig a lot on guitar. Yeah. Fantastic guitar player. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chuck Smith would play bass. I don't know if you know Chuck Smith. I know that name Al plays a six yeah, I saw them a bunch of times. Yeah. Bernard Wright used to play keys with them. Every I now mean. And then. Well we they we they all, we, whatever, used to play at uh the original buttons. Before it moved. Before it became another place and then moved it was over on
0: camp Bowie. Was it but
1: no it wasn't buttons it was um ovation
0: ovation over on camp right Bowie. right yeah, by the, the theater, Ridgely yeah. theater. Yeah. that's yeah, where yeah, i yeah. used to see full of soul all the time that was the band
1: yeah yeah i have a record i have recordings of it yeah 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 i think and they Keith would, made would a, be behind a big drum shield yep. and yeah yep. those were fun nights yeah. man yeah because they we could play whatever we wanted and I people, may have people, seen you up there a handful of times because I used to go up there a lot and Yeah, watch them. I'd I played there several times and that you know what that's interesting because that club people came and people listened mm-hmm. and people respected it yeah. and they got great drinks and great food mm-hmm. so it's like why can't yeah. this happen in more places yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that really worked that, that was a shame that there, that place isn't around but, he's trying to do that with buttons yeah it's but a different vibe it's a the cover big. the cover thing is kind of where their yeah. focus is, I think, though.
0: And it's too big of a restaurant yeah, to be true. a music venue. Because the stage is so small. The, yeah. the handful of times that I've played in there, uh, I used to do this thing on Wednesday nights with Rodney Bowens. Mm-hmm. We were doing this little R&B review. Yeah. And it was all about volume. Just, just don't run people out. Right, Play it loud enough to where they can dance if they want to, but not to where they can't talk. And that right. was a big thing, and it's like, well, they offered me and my my eight piece funk band a few times. And you were there. like, I told them we every time. Horns. I said every time we're not, it's not gonna work. Yeah, we're too loud. The trumpets are pointing at people's heads. Yeah, you can't. There's no volume knob on a on a trumpet. Right. You can't. Yeah. Like so, I, I always wanted to play in there. Same thing with scat. I, I got offered to play scat several times, but right they would always say, if you come in here, you either you're either going to sell it out, and then you can play as loud as you want because there's people there to see you. That's what uh, Daisy Chain used to do. That
1: okay?
0: Uh, if you remember Daisy yeah, Chain? absolutely. They would play at scat. But they would literally be sold out before they even started. So they can play as loud as they want because mm-hmm. no one's gonna leave. But if you just go in there and play to their people and you're too loud, they're out of there immediately. Right. And I said, Well, we're just too loud. It's not gonna work. Yeah. Just I'm sorry. Like I'd love to do that because I would love to play in there. Right. But huh. we're just too loud, you know. So know. we we had to stick to the Magnolia Motor Lounge has been really good to us. They That's don't care. Good. We can be as loud as we want in there. That's a they cool place. Care. I really like that venue. Yeah. I hate what that area is becoming. Because of all the other bars. Hmm. Well, Fred's has still got music. They're holding out. I I do some solo stuff in there, but in terms of there's just a lot of those places like varsity that it's just it's college bars. It's turning into it's turning into sixth street, exactly like you said earlier. <laughs> yeah. And and is holding out and they don't get runoff. People go right around Magnolia Motor Lounge because mm-hmm. they're charging a cover to get in because there's bands. Yeah. And so that's kind of a destination for people. But Right. But it's interesting it's interesting in that regard. But yeah, I miss those bands like Full of Soul and and all the stuff that they used to do. I haven't seen the Funky Knuckles in a long time. I know they do They that. are
1: consistently playing every yeah. Monday. I yeah. mean like at the sundown. Wes gets a little bent out of shape if you ask him to like <laughs> go on to it. It's like we're gonna miss a Monday. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Maybe (laughs) you know, but which is it's really awesome what they've been doing up there, man. You know, because it's not only is it bringing a high level of stuff to the people that want it, but you can, if you're a musician and you have a relationship with them, you can come sit in, and it's like you know, it's becoming a cool thing. Yeah, and uh,
0: yeah, that Dallas gospel scene is thriving.
1: Yeah, that's never going to go away. No, it's really
0: it's really cool. They've they've built a very very. Um, comfortable environment for people to come and grow and and share music with each other. It's really cool. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, do they still do the, the Wednesday thing at the Mm -hmm. profit bar? Yeah, I was there last week. Is
1: it every other Wednesday? It's every Wednesday,
0: every Wednesday. Yeah. And it's the grits. It's the grits. And you,
1: well, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll play and then, um, it's kind of open, you know, but, uh, but yeah, the grits do it. They're the house band. And Mm -hmm. then there's like a jam session where you sign a list and right mostly for singers right but they'll instrumentals will come and do some stuff as well yeah um and obviously you know all those guys that's yeah that's i mean those are the, the i mean that's,
0: that's badu's band that's what i was gonna say that's yeah, the so that was
1: kind of how that happened yeah you know i had been playing with those guys for years before the mm-hmm. Badu thing came came around but um,
0: okay so that's so you were going to this wednesday thing y-
1: well i mean i was going yeah i mean i've i've known and rc they, and sean and those guys for but right around that man, probably even before I knew Snarky puppy, okay. actually, uh, I had met Sput and a lot of those Dallas dudes, mm-hmm. um, because th- that the thing that the grits do on Wednesday has had several different incarnations in several different places over a couple years. Mm-hmm. so the grits have been in the profit bar for almost a, how many seven or eight years now, I think hmm. shoot, maybe even, I don't know, but that used to be at a place called Sankofa. In South Dallas, okay. by the Black Forest Theater,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I went there to play with Keith Anderson, actually, yeah. and met all of those dudes in one night. Right, and you know they didn't know me, but they were like, "I was there's a guitar player. We need a guitar player, right?" Right, know, <laughs> it's like there aren't very many guitar players in our in our scene here. Wait, come hang with us, you know? yeah. And so, so that was that. And then they that Sankofa closed, and then it moved to a place called the Walrus, which was. Somewhere by American Airlines Center, and it was there for a little while and then then it gosh then it went to the, i think then it went to the profit bar, so that was maybe like two thousand and seven when it went two thousand seven or eight when it went to the profit bar i think gosh. It's confusing keeping up with all this, but yeah, long story short, yes, you can go jam at the Prom bar on Wednesday nights. Yeah, so they still do it. They play, I mean, it's
0: amazing. I've been going up there for that for five or six years. Yeah, to see that, and it's just mind blowing. Well,
1: the grits have become like a band now, they have records out, they're doing shows as the grits, right? And uh, and and it's awesome. That's that's probably the most groovinist rhythm section on earth, yeah. You know, it's there. Uh, I, there are Braylon, it's Braylon Lacey on bass, RC Williams on keys, uh, Cleon Edwards is the drummer, Teron Lockett will play drums and play percussion as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got he's got Job ja Born, that does MPC, M- MPC, mm-hmm. uh, two horn, two to three horn guys, sax saxophones, trumpets, um, a couple of the, one of the Funky Knuckles guys plays, uh, and then a singer. And it's, um, yeah, man. But that, the R.C., Braylon, and Cleon together is just like, what? Yeah. You absolutely.
0: Know? It's mind-blowing. Yeah, It's very, it's it's otherworldly stuff that they're doing. I don't know. It's pretty entertaining. It's it's cool just to have that. And then to have the Eric Badu connection. So I guess they sure. brought you along with their stuff, and then that kind of translated yeah, it was, into man, her band.
1: It was, yeah, I was like, hey, man, are you free this summer? Our, you know, our normal guy can't do the tour. Can you come do the tour? Yeah, yeah sure. And then that was it. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. So...
0: I've been a fan of Erica Badu since the mid '90s. Sure, Baduism. Oh yeah, that's a staple in my
1: collection. This is, those are really cool sounding records. And yeah. a lot of that was yeah. a, a lot of that was the Roots doing some stuff. James Poiser and some of those other guys. But a lot of it was Dallas Cats, man. Yeah, I mean that really was the Dallas Cats. Yeah, you know.
0: How does the Dallas gospel scene stand up to the New York and L.A. Jazz scenes like that, like, like uh, up they're and I know all pretty in, different. I know in New York you've got the, your glasper's and and guys like that and his band. Well, Glasspers from Texas, is he? He's from Houston. I didn't even know that. I think he's from Houston. Yeah, I did not know that. Yep, but he, I guess he calls he claims himself from.
1: Well, I think he's probably he he's probably up lives there. there. Yeah, Derek
0: but, Hodge and Chris Collenberg and all those right, guys, right. But that's that version of it versus the root uh, the grits version of it is different. But as as a scene, I guess, does the Dallas scene when you're outside of Texas and touring, like with your band, Mm -hmm. you tell people you're from Dallas. Do they know what that means? It depends. Yeah. I mean, or do they just assume you're from New York? (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh the only time people assume i'm from new york is because snarky puppy's technically in new york now and so they just like right. oh he plays in snarky puppy probably lives in brooklyn right. but as far as the scene being identified as something it's it's getting to the point like the, it's it's recognition as a unique thing is becoming bigger yeah which is great because i think a lot of people are realizing that like a big part of the R and B sound that maybe they didn't realize came from Dallas actually came from Dallas. Right. And, uh,
0: like what specifically?
1: Well, I mean that kind of like, you know, I remember seeing hiatus coyote yeah, and they're a fantastic band. Unbelievable. But I remember seeing a lot of badu in that. Yeah. I was like, huh, this has a really deep badu Dallas flavor. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so obviously if Dallas is reaching Australia, right. right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's getting around. They're so and, good. You know, people come and and they come and sit in at the, with the grits and they're just like, what? Yeah. Like this is how, okay, I get it. This is how you groove down here. Yeah. You know, and I've always, I've always said that, man, like there's a thing in Texas that the groove here is not, is not like anywhere else. It's not like LA or New York or Philly or Atlanta or, or anywhere. Um, there's a kind of like, bluesy country swampy thing Mm -hmm. in it that if you know you just can't get unless you live here yeah (laughs) yeah
0: i i would definitely i would equate that to guys like derek trucks and that yeah and well JJ, Derek's from florida and jj gray that's what i'm saying is that that deep south florida vibe like that's JJ, a whole other thing jj gray and and derrick trucks they it's so laid back yeah and it's so that's a whole swampy. other thing and i would equate it to that for sure it's got that's its own thing down there and unless you're from there right you don't have that in yeah. you yeah like I, you can identify a drummer from new orleans immediately sure oh, of course because of the way they play yeah and you just you don't have that unless you came up there yeah
1: well i think that that is kind of one of the cool things about Dallas is that it's sort of like in the middle of everything. So you get mm. a cross pollinate, you get that new Orleans thing, you get the flashy LA stuff, mm-hmm. you get the really like esoteric New York stuff. Yeah. You know, um, cause everyone's got to fly through DFW cause it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> the only airport that matters. Apparently <laughs> yeah, it's a good layover spot. Yeah. So if you've got a layover, come to the, come to wow on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Do that.
0: So is that, I guess, you graduated from college and then you stayed here Is yeah. it because of all the, the scene and the connections you've totally. made here. Is there yeah. a reason that you never decided to go to New York and try to make it up there? Or?
1: I just never felt like I needed to. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you answered the question. It's because of the connections I made here and the stuff that I was doing here made me happy and I was making a living doing it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, my wife and I flirted with the idea of moving to Brooklyn mm-hmm. and then we were like, well, we're only going to be there for like a year or two. And so then it's like, okay, well then we're just, throwing money at a, you know, right. a pit. Yeah. And then there was, I thought maybe you go to Nashville and kind of maybe pursuing that kind of like session guy thing a little deeper. And, and then we were just like, you know what? I think this is home. Yeah. You know, cause I was, and I still am, I'm doing the stuff I want to do. Right. Yeah. And, and you're not hurting for, de- for gigs. Well, for sure. I mean, you know, it just depends on, it, de- it depends on what you want. Yeah. And if you can get that where you're at, then good. If you can't, then go somewhere else. Right. So, you know, until, until my, Dreams or aspirations make it very clear that I need to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll be here. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So
0: that's awesome. I mean, you you're comfortable in what you're doing. You sure. know, you know who you are, and that makes it really easy to yeah. to do that. Yeah. That's really cool. Is she from here? Your wife? She's from Bedford. Yeah. From, okay, so this is home for her for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. home. Yeah. So that's good. But but you know, I mean. It's funny that because the music industry is so scattered and spread out now. It's like yeah. you kind of don't necessarily need to be in LA, Nashville, or New York if you want to do this. Right. There was a time when you did. Right. But man, you know, you go <laughs> you go to LA and everybody's like, Oh, there's no music scene here. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like the yeah. session scene's dead. It's like, oh yeah. well, okay. Yeah. Well, what am I supposed what, to what do? Am yeah. I, yeah, right. So, you know, I got friends who live here that tour with artists based out of all over the place. Yeah. You know, all over the place.
0: Just one quick plane ride. All you're it takes. Where, where, yeah. They it's, are.
1: it's one connection yeah. for these things to happen. Yeah. It's one connection or a series of connections, but nowadays it's, it's almost impossible to not be connected. Yeah. Like you have to try to make people not. Yeah. Rec- see you. <laughs> right. 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 You could just, even if you're posting on Instagram every day, yeah. you are connecting with people. Yeah. You're reaching people. You know, it's yeah, it's interesting.
0: It's interesting also from the recording aspect, and and I know you do a lot of recordings into your you know into your computer, yeah, and, it. and you yeah, and so someone from Nashville, if they wanted you, they could Dropbox you files, sure. And you can Dropbox them a solo or, yep. or, a, or a rhythm part or whatever, yep. And you don't even have to go anywhere, right? And that's that's I think one of the coolest parts of all of this, right? Is that I've got a studio, home studio set in my house as well, and. I can make demos all day. And if I needed real drummer, I'll just Dropbox it to them. They'll totally. do the part, send it back. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Just in And it makes it, it makes it. I've always, I always said when I was younger, whenever I get to the point where I don't need to live somewhere specific. Sure. Here's where I'll go or I'll, I'll go move here because I want to live there. Right. And then it's kind of gotten to that point now. And I still live here. I've not moved yeah. away because I kind of like living here. Yeah, to man. To point, I kind of feel I've, I on a much smaller scale than you. I've I've made my own version of success. That's
1: you hit the nail on the head.
0: And yeah, and I'm happy here, and yeah. I like it. And I feel comfortable here. I, it, I feel harbored by the scene, and I feel I enjoy my
1: time. Success here. is an individual pursuit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Like If someone else's success is what you want, yeah, you either have to like do exactly what they did and right. hope that it happens for you. Right. all the
0: luck that they had. 99.9%
1: of the time, it's not going to happen. Right. Or you just, you know, at at you have to go, like I said before, if what you want is somewhere, you have to go do that. Right. If you want to tour with Justin Bieber, you should probably live in LA. Yeah. You know, if right. you want to play weird modern jazz, New York is the place for you, <laughs> you know, which is awesome. There's incredible, weird modern jazz in New York. Yeah. If you want to play CCM and pop country, go to Nashville. Right. You know, right. If you want to maybe do a bunch of weird stuff, live here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a very eclectic mix of things Yeah, If you here. want to taste everything, stay right
0: here. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's a good area. I like it. So you just recently found out that you're having a baby. Oh, yes. Congratulations. <laughs> That's really awesome. Thanks,
1: man. Little baby Latiri running yeah. around. Well, yeah. Running around. Have to lock the doors oh to this gosh. room. Well, I'm trying to figure out this might become its room. Uh-oh. I don't know yet. It's colder (laughs) in here, though, than it is in the room over there. So, oh, man. Maybe this becomes your room. I got hit in the face with adulthood right there. I was (laughs) like, oh, well, maybe we should re-insulate the... Oh, no. So, uh, well, the house, the previous owner, this was the baby room. But if you go into the guest room, it's, like, all nice and looks like a baby should live there. Not cuz we did that but just it would be easier to convert that to a baby room than it would be to like maybe move all these amps cuz I don't think all this bull crap will fit in the other room. Well, we have to we'll start stacking out. it harder. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do. Oh man, I don't want to move any of this. Oh, well. Well, that's that's real yeah. that's real life that's stuff. That's real there. Yeah, Forget music. <laughs> Dad stuff now. That's real life yeah, stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. Jeez. So
0: so how is, uh, this is a really generic and stupid question, so I'm not going to ask it. Never mind. No, you should do ask you it. have plans of doing another record. yeah, obviously you do, but have you, uh, this one came out I assume it's doing well.
1: Yeah, it's doing fine.
0: Um, so I mean as well
1: as a record like that can do, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I guess what's your, what's your barometer for that? I don't know. Do you market it? Do you spend, do I mean, you spend
1: money on marketing? Uh, I didn't, I didn't like hire a publicist. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should have, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, it's sort of like, I'm kind of just like letting it do its thing your reputation precedes you i mean most
0: places you go at this point you've got well i know okay well i'm telling you if you (laughs) don't know
1: okay then it does well i mean sure i mean i guess if (laughs) just accept it okay well yeah i mean that's kind of i think i'm just kind of going off of my (laughs) this sounds really silly but like my name or some sort of recognition involving my name and right. the projects that I've done. And then people going like, Oh, he has a record.
0: Right. Cool. That's not silly because that's your brand. Well, sure. Yeah. In and the public I think
1: eye, your name is your, brand. I think that's what I'm crafting. Like the album is a part of that, mm-hmm. but it's not the only thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right, right. I think you are a, a there's a You're lot a of stuff guy. I You're do. A, yeah, uh,
0: for hire tour guy. Right, You're, you got your own record. Yeah, I'm Mark yeah.
1: Lattery, the guitarist, musician, composer, dude. Yeah, and there's all these layers. One of which is these albums. Mm-hmm. I hope you like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> please come see a gig.
0: Right, you know. Right. I remember one of you and I have been friends for several years. Yeah. Um, and I remember the first time that it really struck me that you had a lot more reach than I realized with your with your amount of celebrity. <laughs> And, okay. and it was a, We went and saw uh, Inadvertently I saw you at a Joe Satriani concert Right In our in Grand Prairie
1: With Steve Morse opening it's Steve
0: Morse Steve Morse Blue Satriani That was a water. great show That was a great show a I can't listen to Joe Satriani For more than About 20 minutes He was really loud Man I love the guy But it was, he was just yeah, So much
1: louder Than everyone else man, In the band <laughs> He really was And he was doing
0: His thing and, and it's you know It's his thing And I can't fault him For that Because it's obviously Working But yeah, sure. I Steve Morse Put on such a good show. He's I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we were standing out in the lobby, uh, in the intermission or something. And you and I and big Mike were talking Yeah, and somebody came up and tapped you on the shoulder and asked you for a picture. <laughs> and then like two or three more people came and did it. Oh, and I man. was like, Oh, okay. I get it. That's funny.
1: Mark Letiri is Mark I, Letiri I do now. Remember, I do remember that. Yeah. Man, and I well. was
0: big Mike and I was standing there like, like all right he's not that cool we're at a we're at a Joe Satriani <laughs> concert and people are getting pictures of mark that's Mike. that's hilarious all right i
1: remember that, that i think was, the, the the weirdest thing that i remember when i was walking down the street in istanbul turkey yeah and some guy ran out of a music store and was like Thierry, snarky puppy are you guys in town and I was like, whoa, what? Like, you're not supposed to know who I am or who my band is or <laughs> yeah, any of that. That's awesome. Though. And, and that, you know, that felt pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I think I went in there and like bought something. Or, yeah, you know, I was t- like, man, you made my, you don't even know, but you've really made, but you're not supposed to know who we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. That but pretty, that, man. you, you have that reach
0: now well, and you know, however many people follow you on Instagram for those videos you, work, you make and all on that it. stuff.
1: Yeah. It's really cool. Not nearly enough. I need to like I don't know, take off my shirt or something. Or I don't know about.
0: Tan. I probably wouldn't watch it as much if yeah. you did that. Okay, but it's not for me. So maybe <laughs> I'm not. not. <laughs> I'm not the demographic. Yeah, I'm not want, the shirt yeah. off demographic. Nobody wants to
1: see the hairy chest. Or maybe they do, <laughs> or maybe know. they do. I don't, but we'll I'm we'll, not the demographic. Yeah, so. we'll do an experiment. Yeah, do that. The, the next your, three put your videos will Devo be hat on. Yeah. That one got that one did pretty well. Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah. The, well, it was probably uh, the product more than the hat. but Maybe. The chicken grease one was pretty good, too. I watched that one the other day.
1: That was fun. I, you know, it's funny, like, doing these videos, it's like, some of them I'll finish in, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. And then put them up. And then other ones will take, like, two hours. <laughs> just to get them right? Just to get them right. Yeah. Because it's like, you know.
0: The loop pedal thing is its own beast, learning how to do that.
1: Yeah. That, yeah. But... Yeah, those, those, those can kind of take some time, but I I'm kind of coming to the point where it's like, cause you know, when you put something on Instagram, people auto- automatically judge you based on all the other videos they have seen that day. Right. And you're just like, I mean, talk about discouraging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so sometimes I'll just be like, I'm not doing any more takes of this, whatever it is, I'm putting it up there. Yeah. And if it sucks, then that's fine. <laughs> Cause I don't have time. I got to go do things with my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get out of this room. Get out of this stupid room. Yeah. Well,
0: I don't know. I think that that's an invaluable free marketing tool for guys like you and me to have your uh, Facebook. I don't seem to get as much value out of. I get the most interaction on Instagram. Sure. When I'm posting things. Especially
1: music stuff, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, and so I, I value that a little bit harder, but it's all free. It's free marketing. Right. And it's awesome. And everyone has it. Right. And you have an equal platform and an equal footing with anyone else that's putting- That's
1: very true. Putting
0: media out there to be seen. You, put, you just got to know how to do it. It's, I
1: it's look smart. at it as though you have like, like, say you've got a bunch of ideas for videos or posts or whatever. I look at it like a bag of Skittles. All right. And it's like, you know, you, you leave a Skittle out for people- every couple of days and they go, Ooh, that was good. I like that Skittle. And then they want another Skittle. But if you give them the whole bag of Skittles right away, they'll just get sick, you know? So you, <laughs> so right. you have to like, this kind is of, good parenting advice well, too. Yeah. This is how to succeed in social media. So you pay, you pace the Skittles because they, nobody can eat just one Skittle. Sure. No, you got can't, them. I can't just dump the whole bag in your mouth right. and be like, okay, well, that was great. Oh, I feel really sick. <laughs> You know, so, so you notice the guys that are really doing well on his, they don't post like three videos a day. They post like one a week. Right. And then, and then, you you know, in the back of your mind, it's like, I wonder when, you know, Mateus Asato is going to post a new video or whatever. And there it is. Yeah. So he's got, you know, he's got the Skittle method down pat. That is a great analogy. (laughs) So I probably, I just did a video for that TC Electronics fuzz. And it's great, and, and TC loves it, and, and people are digging it. I didn't think it was that good. I thought the blind was kind of sloppy, but it was one of those things where I was like, I'm not doing this again. Right. Um, do but, these companies pay you to do this, these um, demos? Or? They don't, but they send me the gear. Um, I, I've i endorsed TC for a while, and mm-hmm. so I
0: do it. You got me hooked on the Nova delay. Yeah. I remember yeah. that years they, man, ago. Man, they have I, great products. I've had that thing for years because you're a
1: recommendation. Yeah. You. But, you know, it's one of those things like they. The companies that I work with, I'm happy to play their stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd play it even if it wasn't provided for me, yeah. but they also give back. Right. So it's like, if they send me a pedal, I do a video. Yeah. I do a post about it. They share that thing. Right. It's, they sell pedals. I get recognition. So it's yeah. like, cool. That's there cool. are guys who have monetized the demo thing and they're raking it in. Yeah. Um. I just would, for me to do it, I would have to really up up my like, video production <laughs> right. game as you can see there's not really that thing happening videos. so it, that's sort of on my list of things to maybe consider doing right but uh you know that's that's another time time cruncher thing that i would really have to carve out some time to do yeah. because i mean there are some dudes that are like just doing some amazing videos and yeah. they're getting bazillions of views and and i think they do get paid yeah because well, it's sure like they do yeah it's like basically they're ads like and whatever either we'll pay you or you can keep the pedal or blah, 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 or right. both or whatever. And it's like, oh, cool. But I mean, I think the companies, I think they just like, you know, it's like, well, what's your rate? Well, I charge you know, a thousand bucks for a video. It's like, okay, right. cool. Here you go. Yeah. So I haven't yeah. gotten to that level yet. Well, but, if
0: you're having millions of views per product, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's invaluable yeah. for them. It's worth way more than probably they're paying for it even. Probably. Hopefully. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah,
1: the idea is that they sell enough pedals yeah. to cover the cost. Yeah. Of the video. If it's
0: a guy like you that, that people are really interested in, how you get your tone and what you're playing and what you're endorsing because they like you in general yeah I mean, that's a lot of power that you have that you may not want or even realize <laughs> that you have you know what I mean there's a lot of people that that these people that want to take pictures of you they also want to know what you're playing sure right? and who, who yeah you, who you're endorsing and so they can know
1: totally cool yeah I mean I think once you get into that once you start climbing down the well of gear geardom yeah it just becomes a part of your your brand. Yeah. You know, it's like sure. people probably maybe recognize me as much for my work with snarky puppy as they do with, for my demos for rocket pedals where I dressed up right. like Gumby, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like, so it's like, those. well, that's part of it. Yeah. You are now that's, you, you will always be talking about pedals now. Yeah. Which well, is fine. It's
0: yeah. how you make music sometimes. Yeah. You're into it. Yeah. You're good with using pedals. There's a lot of interesting sounds on your, spe- your record specifically. Oh, thanks. You layer a lot of guitar parts.
1: There's some uh, textures,
0: yeah. I, I like that. They play together well. Right. How do you so. do? You, do you come up with that in advance, or is that something that kind of happens on the fly? Like, oh, maybe this will sound cool right here. I'll try. Most
1: that. of it is already established. Uh, I do. A, I, my demos are pretty thorough.
0: Okay, so you're doing all this stuff long before you're going well, to the studio.
1: Well, I flesh out the ideas, yeah, and then I get into the studio and redo everything. Right. I don't. Of I, I don't ever keep anything from a demo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, most of it is just subtracting mm-hmm. rather than adding stuff in the studio. Mm-hmm. Like I'll come to the studio. We'll cut the basic track. I'll start throwing all these ideas that I had in my demo. Mm-hmm. And then usually half of them, we don't even, right. It's like, okay, well maybe that doesn't actually work Clutter with a real drum sound now. Right. Like right. It doesn't work, you right. know, or now this guitar is taking up this kind of space. Then we don't need this stupid synth line that I thought we did or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine. I, I everybody has different different methods, but uh, you know if I can if I can f- get that fully produced sound in my head before I actually start cutting to tape or cutting to Pro Tools, <laughs> uh, it's easier for me to then sli- trim the fat off, yeah. rather than trying to add stuff because it doesn't feel complete.
0: Yeah, that's a saying? way better place to to be. I'd rather from have too much
1: sure. and slice it off than yeah. like, oh well, shoot, this still doesn't feel big enough. What do we need? Yeah, or this doesn't. You know, it's like ah, the. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. So, that's a yeah, that's a way more comfortable position to be in, right? So, yeah. So, uh, like, if you were to listen to my demos, you'd be like, well, a, there's a, why do you have 13 guitars playing this power <laughs> chord? It like, sounds huge. Oh, but then, you know, is. you get it and you do one guitar with a stereo yeah. set up and it sounds just as big. Yeah. So. There you go. Yeah. But, yeah, we can, man, I know we might be wrapping up, but we can have a whole other podcast about pedals. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, if TC Electronics <laughs> wants to pay for it, <laughs> yeah, are right. welcome,
1: hey. welcome to do that. Yeah, right. Tobias, you listening? Yeah. You might be. Yeah, so. get some. Cool. Well, I guess we
0: could wrap it up. No, it's up to you, man. I or mean, we can keep going. Uh, what else? Are there more to, things you want to talk uh, about? We're at about 90 minutes. It's up to you. I don't know if you have a list of questions. I mean, I'm... I didn't really have a list of questions. The whole point of this is just to talk about whatever. Cool. Um, I was interested in uh, your track and field oh. life. <laughs> okay. I don't uh, know. Just yeah we could talk about that as a as a thing you did you get a scholarship no or did you just use that you just did it because you wanted to do i
1: did it. it because i wanted to i i started running when I was thirteen, you know sort of like competitively like in you know youth leagues and whatever like my cross dad, country or uh, Sprinting some okay. jumps actually yeah my dad is actually still really active in competitive track and field. Oh wow. Which is totally crazy. He's yeah. 67, 68. Mm. And he competes in because now they have they have like well not now, but um they have age groups essentially. Like mm-hmm. the people that are at the Olympics or whatever, they're considered like what is it? It's called the open category. And then after that they goes into what's called masters. And then they have different age groups depending on how old you are. So anyway, mm-hmm. he competes in masters track and field. Mm-hmm. And so Out throughout California? Yeah. So throughout the year he'll travel a few times to different meets and race. Wow. He runs the hundred meters <laughs> and he's fast as crap wow. for being 68. Yeah. He's consistently like one of the top 10 <laughs> in the country. That's incredible. Nuts. Yeah. So like, I well, remember the last time I was, I was on a snarky puppy gig in Boston and the morning of the gig, my dad was at the indoor track in Boston running in the national championships. Really? (laughs) So I went to go see him run and he won.
0: That's incredible. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, so, so he's been, he was never a professional, but he ran a little bit in college and then like took a break, whatever. And then just got into it when I was a little kid, got back into it. And so anyway, so that's been in my family. Yeah. You know, it was like track and field. You're a
0: thoroughbred.
1: Well, that was bigger than music. Yeah. Really. I mean, the track thing came from my dad. He plays guitar a little bit too. Uh huh. Um, but you know, I sort of kind of got into that myself where his track, he was like, all right, dude, there's a youth team signing you up. And I was like, I don't know. if Nope. Signing you up. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but I found out I really liked it and I was, you know, I was good at it in high school. I was good, you know, good enough to get to TCU to where the coach was like, yeah, we'd like to have you come, you know, walk on the team and, and compete for us. And, and it was, it was not the easiest experience because like, Walking onto the team? Yeah, well, walking on was general? easy. Just just collegiate track and field for me in, yeah. in particular. I was injured a lot. Huh. You know, I kind of was like mentally not totally confident. Right. You know what I mean? And because, you know, you're competing against guys who are some of the best in the country. And, you know, I came from a town where I was like one of the better guys. Right. And then I immediately was like the tiny minnow in the giant ocean. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. I, I think that always kind of like was in the back of my head competing and so I I never quite realized the potential that I had set for myself right as as a collegiate athlete however I wouldn't trade it for the world it sure. was a great experience I was in the best shape of my life I did you know added value to the team yeah uh, but after it was done I was like I, I'm done yeah you know I will retire but yeah. it's funny because it's like that's that experience track brought me to Texas more than music did. right I had no interest in coming to Texas for music. Right. I had, I was interested in studying at TCU and running at TCU. Right. And I was like, I'll play in a band in the, in the on the side. Yeah. And then after it was over, I was like, cool track brought me here. Music is keeping me here. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. So, so I'm thankful for surviving the sort of like personal tri- tribulations of collegiate track and field so that yeah. I could kind of get to where I am now. Yeah. You know, it's like i don't have a gold medal, but I have a Grammy, you know, there you go. it's like, I'll yeah. take it.
2: <laughs> that's, that's a pretty solid so, trade off. So,
1: yeah. So I, I tell myself, I was like, yeah, I needed to kind of go through that to kind of get to, to figure out what I really wanted, yeah. where my goals were, you know, anyway, well, that's that a sermon. No, <laughs> sorry. That's, no, that's
0: awesome. I, that I'm sure you learned a lot about a well, lot of I, things I, I definitely learned thing. a
1: lot about the value of hard work yeah I mean if I can survive the practices that we had to go through I can survive yeah. anything yeah
0: collegiate sports in general are and so intense oh yeah Any, and then you have to go to class too <laughs> right you have to maintain the GPA to stay on the team sure and all of that stuff too so that's yeah that's great I'm sure that that will translate into all aspects of your life
1: perpetually well, I hope so and I'm probably going to make my kid do it <laughs> run track <laughs> probably yeah, yeah like, my dad made me do it you're going to do yeah it look too. how great i turned out yeah, I have right. a Grammy, son exactly he'll be like i don't understand how the two are related <laughs> you'll like, figure oh, it you out you will you'll figure it yeah, out yeah right <laughs> you're throwing up after that 400 meter relay you'll figure it out <laughs> yeah well there you go when yeah. did
0: you start playing guitar
1: uh i was 11 uh yes yes 11 that was a, that's a cool story actually so so i tell said, me the story yeah so i said earlier my dad plays a little bit. Yeah. So he always had an acoustic guitar like kind of lying around the house that he would play like you know Beach Boys songs on or whatever. And, and I would but he would let me bang on it like right. kind of whenever I wanted, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Most people's I parents didn't don't do that. yeah, but anyway, I guess one day I was banging on it a little bit too robustly and he was like, <laughs> "Do you want guitar lessons?" And I was like, "I guess," like, "Sure, whatever," you know. <laughs> yeah, and <typical> uh 11-year-old <laughs> attitude. <laughs> sure. And so Uh, my mom is an artist, and she was teaching art class to myself and another good buddy of mine. And his mom played guitar at a pretty pretty proficient level, and Uh so it was like, "Hey, we'll teach your kid art if you teach our kid guitar." Trade off. (laughs) So we had like a little trade off thing, and um. So, yeah, so that's how kind of I started. You know, she taught me super basic stuff, Mm -hmm. open chords, the whole deal. And then I got another teacher who taught me how to read tab. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was good about all this is that it was right around the time when I was finding out what kind of music I liked as an individual. Right. Thankfully, my folks played cool stuff in the house. Right. Like, uh, you know, thank goodness. Yeah. Because I'm worried for the future. I
0: agree wholly with that.
1: Yeah. so you know so they were playing cool music but i was like getting into like stone temple pilots and sound guard and, <laughs> right. and now i could read tabs and i could download them off the internet yeah. and figure out how to play spoon man yeah you know? <laughs> and so then i was like really hooked by that point yeah. and my next teacher this guy i studied with through all of high school was an incredible asset to me his name is gordon Kahn and he lives in austin now but mm-hmm. he was like a bay area guitar dude back in the day and was a student of Joe Satriani's in the eighties. And I was like 14 when I first heard Joe Satriani. I was like, Oh my God, it's the most amazing guitar, (laughs) whatever, you know? And so there was a, there was a classified ad that said guitar teacher, you know, guitar teacher available, uh, Satriani alumnus. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, mom, mom, what do we got to, what do we got to do? Like, (laughs) mom, mom, please, please. How many yards do I have to Right. And so, so they were, I was very supportive. They, they hired him as kind of my, and he would come to the house, you know, once a week and we would work on shred, shredding and, but (laughs) theory. Yeah. I learned all about theory with that guy. That's important. that was super important because it helped me understand music <laughs> yeah you know it, and me and my buddies would nerd out and be like yeah man you're joe satrian you use the mixolydian scale it goes like this <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's like it also relates to the ionian scale you know <laughs> right so we thought we were super cool because uh, we knew the modes um and so yeah so i had i had a couple of really great teachers growing up and but always played to records and was playing in bands and you know just on my own just discovering how i could do this and how i could sound the way i wanted to sound yeah you know so it's been i'm 32 so 21 years ago yeah what we are old yeah i know i'm old i have a lot more gray. When did you
0: start playing guitar? I have a lot more gray hair than you do well i started playing guitar when i was about 12 i okay. played piano when i was five yeah. i started playing drums when i was about eight or nine I
1: didn't do everything shoot well you should just do the you should prince your next record and play everything <laughs> takes so long <laughs> wow um I well, that was the whole point of setting up a studio in
0: my house. I have a drum kit. I have all the I have bass rigs and guitar rigs and pianos and stuff in my mm-hmm. little studio room. That was the whole point of yeah. doing that. I can I can make my own demos and do all that myself. Yeah, that's awesome. Which is nice. I end up when I do demos, I end up sampling drums though.
1: Oh yeah, totally. dude. It's so much easier. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that's fun. funny that you mentioned working with JT because I'll send him my demo with my really terrible drum programming, yeah. and he'll come in and. <laughs> For the first like run through he'll play my shitty demo <laughs> and it'd be like and then I'm like all right all right cool get cut funny <laughs> got it we know you're funny. good thank you all right yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah. well yeah I got into guitar at about 12 years old but I didn't study uh theory so much my dad played as well but he played uh very traditional blues my dad's from Beaumont okay so he has that swampy uh yeah. Louisiana uh, does he play slide? Vibe. He does a awesome. little bit. And then he's just that real traditional Texas Southern blues Pfft, sound. Rad. And it was really cool. I, that was what I grew up listening to when my mom's from LA. Okay. And so she was way into the Oakland soul scene, mm-hmm. uh, which was my introduction to that as a younger person. Nice. Um, and so my influence musically has been those two things combined together.
1: Yeah. That's um, pretty obvious. Good. Sound. <laughs> that's good. I can't <laughs> do anything great. about it. That's pretty much that's well, all I got. Those are pretty solid influences. I like
0: it. I it, it's it's uh turned into a, an amalgamation of those things but the what's come to the forefront is the is kind of the soul motown sure. side of it. And that's kind of what I like the most. But yeah. I didn't study theory. So my dad played guitar and it was the same kind of thing. My dad didn't want me playing on his guitars. Because <laughs> he had nice guitars. He collected vintage fender amps. Wow. Uh, which is something I'm very thankful for because I never had to go through the the really crappy pawn shop oh, you mean- amp. I never had to go through that phase. Yeah. Still rocking it. For sure it is. Ever. I but I never had to go through that because my dad when I got he used to tell me I'll I'll teach you how to play the guitar when I was ten or eleven when your hands are big enough to grab okay. the neck properly. Yeah. And they, they never were. And then finally when I was about twelve, I got to where I could make like a G chord. And that's like the most stretched out. So okay, so I'll buy you a guitar. So he bought me a ninety five, uh, ninety six Mexican strat. Nice. From some pawn shop for like a hundred bucks. I still have it. I mm-hmm. love it. It's a great guitar. And uh the 95 to 97 Mexican Stratocasters were made with the same components as the American Stratocasters. Uh-huh. So it has those Rattlesnake single coil pickups. Okay. The super aggressive bluesy ones that were in the Jimmy Vaughn signature Strat at the time. Gotcha. They just threw all that stuff in the Mexican Strat. For those three years, I don't know why, 95 to huh. 97, it's the same components. The they sound exactly the same. Yeah, I've bought like eight of them, and you can buy them for like 200 bucks, and they sound phenomenal. They wow. sound just like an American Strat. Huh. It's interesting no to idea. know that. Yeah, so that's the thing. Thing. but so he bought me a 96 and I loved it and I still have it it's a great guitar and then but I was always plugged into these like 65 Super 71 Blackface Pro Reverb mm. you know I had this great introduction to tone and he taught me a bunch of blues licks standard you know pentaton- minor pentatonic stuff mm. and then I kind of took that and I he realized that I had some sort of proficiency with it and I was taking to it pretty well And so he, uh, I never had lessons, but he bought me books. Yeah. And I I started, I knew that I liked soul music a lot. So I was trying to figure out why what I was playing didn't sound like that. Uh And then later on in high school, after several years, I was probably 17, I realized that there's this whole jazz element to what. This is why I don't sound like this stuff because ah, there's right. this whole jazz element, but I never had a teacher, so I didn't had anyone to tell me that, and my dad didn't know that because he was a very traditional blues player, and that was it, mm-hmm. and so he couldn't tell me why. Well, this major seven chord, okay, well that changed my whole world when right. I figured this stuff out, <laughs> right? And so from about seventeen to, uh, you know, until still to this day, I st- I really started studying jazz and getting into it on my own. Cool. And I've never had any lessons on the guitar, but I I've. I got to a point where I, I would hear something and I would go, what is that? And then I go look that up and I learn that yeah. whenever these chords altered dominance modes. And now I know all that stuff or a lot of it and it. And I can get the point across, but I wish that I had had someone like you had who kind of took me and said, here's what you need to learn. Sure. Cause when I started teaching, I was about 24 years old when I started teaching and I was teaching, uh, I advertised myself. I don't like small children very much. <laughs> So I didn't want to teach the eight-year-old that just got a guitar for the first time. Like sure. I'm not interested in teaching you these open chords and, right. and gouging your parents for sixty dollars an hour. Right. I'm not interested in doing that. Right. I advertised myself as I if if you already know all that basic stuff, I will teach you musical stuff, sure, theory and things like that. And yeah. so one of the things that I would always try to impart on my students is what you were saying earlier is that. There's a difference, this is the way that I put it to them, there's a difference between being a guitar player and being a musician. Sure. And that's something that I think you have to have a very distinct, th- thick line between the two. Right. Because all musicians play an instrument, be it voice or, or any kind of instrument, but not all Musician, uh, not all instrumentalists are musical right. about it. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, I had a bunch of kids, and and you would teach them the same thing. They'd <clears> want, <throat> want to come in and they'd want to learn Spoon Man, and I'd go, "Well, what if I just teach you all these chords, and then you can go home and learn that crap on your own? I don't have to teach. I don't have to sit here and listen to you fumble your way through Spoon Man for an hour every week. Sure, I can just te- I can give you the tools to go. Do that right. on your own and maybe write your own stuff. A handful of kids would take to that. A handful of kids wouldn't. Yeah, really that's kind
1: of one of those. That's the thing about teaching kids is that, and I don't teach kids. I, I don't anymore. Just because I, you know, I mean, I could, sure. But, you know, it's one of those things where I remember when I was a kid, I wasn't interested in why music worked. I just wanted to play songs that I liked. Right. So, so it wasn't until I was maybe like 14 or 15 that I wanted to, learn how the music worked. But that but you know it's important though with young kids because if you're just if you can just teach them stuff that they want to learn and they go home and play, they feel like they've been successful. Sure. And they're like, And their parents feel like they get worth you know, when the kid does can play his Green Day song it's like, Oh, (laughs) this is working out. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: but that's you're not that was setting
1: a, them up for a lifetime of, right.
0: of music. And also, I had to come to terms with, speaking to that, I had to come to terms with the fact that a very, very small percentage of these kids were actually interested in maybe doing this beyond what we're doing today. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not you and I, yeah, but what the, I yeah, and the kid I mean, were doing that I, I, taught,
1: I taught some kids during one summer off from college, and maybe like two of them would come back with Spoonman Learned, and the other right. five would be like, Which one? What song? Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. I get it. This is daycare. Fine but I struggled with that.
0: You know, I never really came to terms with the fact that I was babysitting a lot, (laughs) which is why I forced myself. That's part of being a teacher. I know. And that's why I forced myself into the, I I got the upper echelon of the kids. I worked at the school of rock here in Fort Worth for about three years. And I was the, I was the teacher that you had to kind of graduate to. That's cool. Because I, I told the lady at the front desk, I said, if you give me another eight year old with a brand new acoustic guitar, I'm I quit. I'm not yeah. coming back. Sorry. Yeah. It
1: takes a special kind of person to, to work with kids Absolutely. and just have patience for that because yeah, they know that half of these kids are probably never going to pick up a guitar again.
0: No. And that, and I, I had, yeah, it was a weird ego that I was addressing at the time that mm-hmm. forced me kind of into that. But I did have a handful of kids that took to it like crazy. And a couple of them I still talk to. They're graduated from high school and they they have bands and they're playing. And and that made it all worth it for me. And it's a very, very small percentage of those kids that did that. But a couple of them. And that's really cool. I see them, what they're doing. One of them was way into like metal, like metal, metal. Mm -hmm. And then got into Zach Wild, which is kind of remedial metal.
1: Hey, I think it's awesome. He you know, it has his own brand of coffee now. No, I didn't yeah. know that. It's not for me. It's
0: it's <laughs> not for me. That whole genre of music was lost on me. I never really got into the the hair metal stuff or the hair band stuff. Sure. That whole genre of music is pretty lost on me. But yeah. He came to me with this Zach Wild song and I listened to it and I go, he's playing pretty much exclusively minor pentatonic. Yeah, and it's and I explained that to my student who was into all this tapping and all this crazy modal stuff, and he was like, "What? That's all he's doing?"
1: I was like, "Yeah, he's just doing it really fast, really,
0: really fast." (laughs) And so he went, and so he came back, and he had like learned a whole bunch of Zach Wild stuff because that was what he needed. And then he started getting into Kenny Wayne Shepherd, and then he started getting into blues, and then he got into Motown, and like now he's super well versed in all this stuff because of this progression of right what is this? And I would tell him what it is and he would go figure it out on his own. But I, he had the tools. I had taught him the tools and that was really cool. But those guys, those kids are few and far between.
1: It's funny to see how that, you know, you brought up a young kid that was into metal. It's funny to see how metal or hard rock in general is not a genre that people sort of like end up in later in their playing careers. Right. You know what I mean? It's like every guitar player I know started playing rock Hard rock met me, included right. maybe blues, whatever. Sure. Guitar I had a stuff. phase. and then you get older, and you're like, oh, I like jazz, I like R and <laughs> yeah. I like soul, I like funk, yeah. Which was what happened to me. But nobody, <laughs> I haven't met anybody yeah. that grows up playing jazz and R and <laughs> right? And then when they're thirty, they're like, you know what, death metal. <laughs> You know, I just. No, can we just go see a dream theater concert, right, today? <laughs> I just feel like some technical math rock right now. You yeah. know, it's like, I want to get into yeah. sugar. Minus, minus the bear. <laughs> Maybe a few people do, but it's sort of like backwards. Maybe. Yeah, I don't uh, know. know. There's something about metal that speaks to the teenager in all of us.
0: Well, it's just that
1: teenage I just think angst. It's awesome. It's, I was never mad. You know, that's what's so funny. I was never mad. Yeah. I was never like a upset Re- teen. Rebellious. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure I had mood swings like every. <laughs> Puberty kid, but I was like, I was never like, you know, smoking pot instead of going to practice or right, whatever. Right. Like, I did all the things I was supposed to do, but I just loved Megadeth. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's it like, I don't identify with your tight jeans, but I've loved this, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. hate my parents, but I really love your music. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's uh, there's probably more of that than the other. I think. I don't know, cause I don't know. I don't really know either. I never really had that stage. I went through a Metallica stage right when I started yeah, playing man. guitar. Have Once, you heard their new
1: record? No, it's yeah. pretty pretty good.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah
1: okay well <laughs> i mean you don't have to go home. And i may or like may today, not do that but, uh, yeah.
0: i may probably not gonna do that that's but I, I may or may not do that that's fine i got off board with them pretty quickly yeah uh, after i started but once i like you learned tabs mm-hmm. uh after i learned you know the basic bar chords and some basic scales right i, I learned a whole bunch of metallica nonsense oh yeah and the uh, master of puppets and, like i had the whole solo tabbed out that's and i memorized classic riffs man. yeah absolutely But that's funny. But then I I slid into the soul R&B world, too, and and I wish that I had stuck with the piano in the way that I pursued the guitar. Sure. I I continued playing, but I didn't continue improving. Ah. I was basically maintaining what I knew. And then every now and then I would translate some new theory thing I learned on the guitar to the piano. And then it would just... And then I would go back to learning guitar stuff and I really wish that I had focused exclusively on the piano mm. I like playing the piano more to me it's a way more expressive instrument for me personally
1: yeah I, can uh, see that. I, I
0: cover when I am playing the piano I feel like I'm covering personally I feel like I'm covering a lot more ground
1: yeah, well,
0: um, you are <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean sound-wise and I just feel like I can do more things. I don't know. For mm-hmm. me that's how it is. And and I'm not much of a guitar hero in the way of of shredding or in the way of of that kind of stuff, but mm. I feel like I can get the point across if I need to, but I really enjoy the piano more and Sweet. I really wish that I'd stuck with it. And since getting since doing this sideman thing I've been doing for the last 6 months, I've be, I've become a relatively proficient piano player, uh, not quite as much as on the guitar, but enough to not feel stupid (laughs) because there was the first couple of months. uh, The guy that I started playing with the most, he hired me as an organ player specifically. Mm -hmm. And I had always pretty much played like Rhodes and piano, grand piano stuff. And organ is a totally different mindset. Oh yeah. And I kind of knew some stuff and pads and swells and whatever. And and that was kind of the extent of it. And then I so I went, you know, I'll I'll come pad your gig and we'll we'll go on the road and do that, but don't throw me solos because I'm not a soloist yet. Like let me work on it for a couple of months. Well, first fucking gig. I get fifteen <laughs> solos over the course of the yeah. set. Almost every song in keys that I'm not comfortable solo like, Doesn't anyone
1: like, else in this band know yeah. how to solo? And
0: he did it on purpose and he would laugh every time. Oh, and man, wow. everyone would look at me. But and I was like I was embarrassed. But for the first month or so, we did three two or three gigs a week, you know, on the road in front of people. And I was embarrassed. But it made me go home and practice. Yeah, it yeah. made me figure That's, it out. Man. And I got to a point where I was like, All right, now I'm comfortable soloing so um, it's okay now but like what a dick like i love it it was real there was a couple of times where i get i get halfway through solo and i get so lost and i just go (sighs) i
1: just stop well with organ you just go
0: (laughs) yeah just loud yeah just turn the rotor on turn it back off yeah it was yeah it was interesting but it forced me to get better, so that's I guess important. that's good. Yeah, it, yeah I you got to have
1: a gotta have those experiences, man, where you just go home and just defeat it. Oh, man.
0: The, yeah, the first month of my gig with that guy was every time. Every, at the end of the gig, yeah. people would be coming up to me going, oh, great job. And I'd go, "Don't you don't have to do that. You don't have to say that. <laughs> I know that that wasn't great. You don't have to say that. Well, he's trying to keep you encouraged, man. Yeah, yeah like that's all right that's funny
1: hilarious
0: do you ever play any other instruments other than bass bass and guitar kind of go together
1: yeah i mean not seriously you know uh my mom offered me piano lessons when i was a kid and um but it was funny because i always equated piano with my friends not being able to hang out (laughs) because i'd be like i'd knock on my buddies next door be like hey what are you doing man you want to come out and play no i gotta do piano lessons (laughs) (laughs) and so i was like why the heck no it's gonna take my whole social life i'm gonna go play you know and so (laughs) so yeah so i was my mom was like do you want to learn piano i was like no no i want to go outside you know (laughs) so that's
0: funny connections you make as a child like that that but i guess with you
1: sure now you know now of course i wish i could play everything you know uh but you you know you're given the skill set that you're given sure. and you just pursue that and I,
0: unless you're sput and
1: you can but, well unless you're yeah or Jacob Collier or Louis Cato or any of these freak shows
0: oh my God Louis Cato uh, my introduction with him was through Eric Krasno yeah Louis is awesome and, and he, he's one of the nicest humans I never I never <laughs> such
1: a nice guy I
0: never <laughs> met him he seems like he is yeah but I there's a video on. YouTube and I'm a huge Eric Krasno fan. Sure, everything that he's a yeah, part of. Yeah, awesome player. And there's a video of his side project, Chapter Two or something, right. something Like that. I was going to say Chapter Eleven, but that's bang. Yeah, <laughs> no, <it's laughs> Chapter Two. Yeah, I almost said that too. And uh, they're just screwing around at this club in New York, and uh, Luis Cato is on is on drums, mm-hmm. and Nigel Hall's on the organ, and then um, the bass player is uh, he plays for somebody important it's a big big dude and he makes a lot of weird faces when he's playing he's a phenomenal Hmm. player i'll send you this video okay it's really entertaining video they're playing uh uh, get back by the beatles Mm -hmm. and their own version of it and Luis cato is doing uh these just really fast uh 16th notes on the hi-hat yeah and and it's fast and it's not she's not burning jazz fast but it's like it's fast and it's fast enough that your arm would get tired. Sure, and he does it so effortlessly the whole song. It's like yeah. eight minutes of song. Oh yeah, and he does it, and then eventually they turn into this really dirty shuffle, and he's he starts doing these these transitional period where he's shuffling with his left hand but still playing straight on his right hand and then eventually it melts into this and i just watched this video watching him just going what the what is that who is this person right it's mind-blowing watching that dude play and then find out that he's a phenomenal piano player
1: and bass player and bass player guitar player and yeah and And it's just like well that's the funny what is happening you know he's on the colbert show no yeah he's in the house band for the colbert show and they'll just move him around to different instruments like within the same within one show he's like playing guitar he's playing bass he's playing tubo he's playing drums yeah yeah he's played i mean he's done a couple snarky puppy gigs actually yeah he's crazy good that's like the first time i saw sput sit
0: down on a keyboard well i I thought Sput was i didn't know sput was a drummer Really? Yeah, so that's the, the first couple times me.
1: I heard him, he was playing piano. And I was yeah. like, wait a minute, this idiot plays drums? Today? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought, but <laughs> I, the opposite. I was like, what? Yeah, I was at one of those jam
0: deals. And I don't know any of those guys, so I'm just sitting there watching the whole time. Yeah. And I, uh, he got off the drums and went and sat down at the keyboard and just kind of didn't touch him. He just kind of sat there and waited. Mm. And I went, oh, okay, well, this is going to be whatever. And then he started playing, and I was like... Yeah. <laughs> no no you can't be that good at both instruments it's I not fair I remember the first
1: time i played with him when he was playing on playing drums i was like i think i just i was like wait you also played drums and he was <laughs> and he just like laughed and he was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was Those like i'm guys, so sorry it's not fair i know it's well not that's fair. i mean that's the that's a lot of that black gospel church thing man yeah it's like they just, just doing it are just on sunday morning it's like well, we need a drummer. You're playing drums. It's like, but <laughs> right. I'm four. It's yeah. like, I don't care. Figure it out. Next Sunday, wow, we don't have the organ player. You're playing organ. But yeah. I'm four. I don't <laughs> care don't play mess up <laughs> yeah, play it right and they get yelled at hope when you, you play know, it wrong you know nothing but the blood exactly right yeah hope don't play it wrong when they yell at you this is yeah they everyone grows i mean sean martin's a great drummer too really man i, I said that shouldn't surprise me anymore i don't know why surprised it surprised. you hear these guys and you're like really yeah like you also play all these other you know yeah it's like well that's cool I, that's a cool environment i grew up playing stone temple pilot songs yeah. in the suburbs <laughs> yeah. not cool metallica yeah right
0: I uh it's it's a cool environment to to be harboring things like that for kids and and giving them that expressive platform sure. to be on as a child. Yeah. You know, th- that doesn't happen very often, so it's neat there's a lot of phenomenal musicians out there and probably plenty who are undiscovered wolfpack they came out of nowhere
1: yeah i did and a then gig all with of a sudden were extremely popular they i saw that funny. on youtube they got a really funny sound man it's i mean so funny in a, in a cool way it's you know? so
0: unique what they're doing yeah and joe is so good yeah he's awesome he's so i saw that video on on youtube it was on facebook or something uh-huh. Someone. Posted, but yeah, it's just that band, and they're so goofy and they embrace their goofiness, right? I know, and that which creates is a whole, awesome. It yeah. creates a whole new demographic for them mm-hmm. of, of younger people that, that I don't know how old they are. I guess they're in their 20s, so yeah.
1: I think Joe's late 20s, yeah. That's the other guys might be in their 30s, 30s. I don't know,
0: but yeah, but it's so cool, and I attribute that directly to, to guys like you and Snarky Puppy and giving kind of paving the way for bands like oh, that, maybe, yeah, giving them know. a platform before Snarky Puppy. There's been a lot of obviously a lot of experimental jazz in in the world in mm-hmm. the last fifty years, yeah, but not in the last fifteen years i on, mean i on a mainstream headlining festivals type of level,
1: yeah it's timing a lot of its timing yeah you know. but
0: but that that seemingly dead genre was completely revitalized, wholly mm-hmm. revitalized in terms of you guys selling out shows all over the world. And being that kind of band and, and giving hiatus coyote a place to stand. And right. and and Wolfpack hmm. a place to stand. I, I in my brain I, I attribute a lot of that to what right to on. what you guys Thanks. have done. Cool, and it's great, and it's great for guys like me. I don't have to be quite so afraid to throw some weird shit into one of my songs. Every yeah. now and then. you know what I mean. Because then yeah. I can go well, look what they're doing. I can do it if they're doing it. I'm allowed to do this. If it sounds good, it is good. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I have to. I have to watch my my demographic a little bit a little bit more. Sure, but that's important
1: though. I yeah, mean, you know
0: it is. But at the same time, I I would like to satisfy a little bit more musical integrity you know coming up with horn parts and doing all that stuff for that record was cool and some of those are pretty out there Mm -hmm. that we wrote but i still had to keep it in the box and there was a handful of times where i went what if we did this in 11 and they'd go "Nah, we probably shouldn't do that (laughs) and i go okay you're probably right you -hmm. know just because you know why not but yeah you know right but this next thing that i'm gonna do i'm gonna not be quite so afraid of it i'm just gonna gonna write the songs how i write them and yeah well it's just the market is a lot more open now yeah and, and I, there's, there, there are more people who are becoming more willing to listen to things like that, where that may not have been the case 10, 10
1: years ago. I, you know, I think, <laughs> I think the average person doesn't even know what they're listening to. No, So no, you can kind of just all. give them whatever it is that you give them. But if you give it to them in a professional pack, you know, package that is presented sure. with quality and authenticity, they're going to notice it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like you could put snarky puppy in a honky tonk in, uh, uh, the stockyards, God forbid. And people might not like two step, (laughs) they would probably stand there with their arms crossed. But afterwards, I bet you everyone would be like, that was what, who are, who are you guys? Like, what did we just see? Yeah. What was that? You know, not because we're the greatest band in the world, but what we're doing is done in a way that's presented properly and with integrity. And yeah, I mean, heck, you could do that with, you know, I'm sure maybe some genres of music don't fall into this analogy, but most probably do. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm yeah. gonna try and set that up. Boy, get snarky puppy play Billy Bob's.
0: Well, the Billy I'll Bob's, tell is you its what, own thing, you guys, they do all kinds of stuff. At <laughs> they Billy really, Bob's. yeah, that's they true. did. Rival they Sons do. were just at Billy Bob's. Yeah,
1: but they're a rock band. They're a Southern rock yeah. band.
0: Buddy Guy plays there once or twice a year. It's true.
1: Okay, maybe Billy Bob's isn't. Yeah, no, I, Billy Bob's would be the most expensive. <laughs> there's a rodeo ring. That's what ring. I'm saying. No, but Billy Bob's would we'll be go, the we're most. We're going to go play Billy Bob's, and it's going to be
0: awesome. I want you guys to do that. And it, yeah. And do a live at Billy Bob's recording. I
1: think we should. Man, I'll tell you what, you guys. You got something. I'll tell you. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep it up, man. You guys I'm, remind me of when I'm I'm I, I first saw Danny Gatton. I'm, oh, <laughs> no. Like, I mean, you guys got that, man, you're really playing it's jazz, man. It sounds like jazz.
0: <laughs> Sounds like jazz. Yeah, it does. Well, on that note, why don't we go ahead and wrap it up? All right. Why don't you Random tell me man. tell me uh, the
1: name of your website, where people can
0: find your music?
1: Cool. Uh it's com. L-E-T-T-I-E-R-I. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can they have there's links to everything from there, but I'm on iTunes, Spotify, mm-hmm. Instagram at MJ Letieri, Twitter at MJ Letieri, even though I don't tweet that much. Uh I and hate Twitter. follow me on Facebook on either Mark Letary or Mark Letary Music. There you go. There it is. You can get all
0: the records. You can see what Mark's doing, all the people he's playing with. And uh, so thank you guys for sticking around. My name's Chris Watson. This is the Slightly Chewed Podcast. And uh, make sure to subscribe and make sure to rate. And I will catch you next time.